Hello, and welcome to Amateur Attempts. Hello, hello, Dylan. Hello, hello. Welcome to 2021. Yes, yes, and more specifically, our Monday moan for our beautiful 2020 year recap. Yep, we would like to moan about 2020. Yes. That is our plan. So this is our, uh, I guess, we'll say after, of course, as this is being recorded in January, so this is our, uh, we'll say our review almost of 2020 year at all. We will cover all everything because there's just way too much to happen, but... We'll say the things that are we feel are more significant, or the yeah. you know at least to us things more significant. Things of note that were not particularly common versus previous years. Um, that were progressions, good or bad, mainly bad. Let's be honest, mainly bad. Yep. yep. <laughs> uh, that you should be aware of and keep an eye out for twenty twenty one. In our opinions. Yep. So number one, wildfires, right? So this is not completely Ooh. international. It doesn't apply to everyone, but it's something for. Well, it's something that will eventually, I guess, apply to everyone. It really is. Uh, global warming related and such and such um it shows that we're having a progression um of more aggressive more common um more easily spread wildfires you know more destruction and more um destruction really um uh, you know with our modern lives exactly and we're going to focus on three areas really in places also you think that it's like well how could that have happened essentially so, I mean, we'll, we'll start in our good old homeland of the U.S. of A. Yep. And we're in California, which has always has wildfires, to Nothing be new, yeah. However. Um, but 2020 was something new. It was. So, interesting. So, our wildfires, I think at one point, what was there, like, over 300 active fires or something at one yeah. given point? I was trying to think of a way to sum it up. But, so, for the past three, oh, I'll, three I'll four years now, we've had a pretty aggressive uptick in fires we've had a noticeable upwards trend since 2017 yep so i'll give you some perspective in terms of like the area so in northern california if you go up north more let's say to humboldt county stuff like that like this is kind of a few hours away from the oregon border it's mainly forest so the fact that up there we have what's called the armstrong woods or forest now these trees produce their own moisture Hmm. so they you know basically they give off so they absorb, Water, absorb it from the air. Yes. And release it. Or they produce. The too, yeah. Yeah. So that's why if you ever walk through wetlands, it's so moist. So that's why it's so phenomenal. The fact that those forests even caught fire. That shows how mm. hot it really was. The fact that trees that produce our moisture actually caught fire. There was more dry so, heat than there was humidity. Yep. And the fact that the fire spread so far from California, that they crossed not only into Oregon, mm. they went all the way up to Washington. Yeah. So. Well, some of that is also just the same environment, just separate, you know, starting events. Mm. But basically, it didn't really care about borders, and um, the whole sort of geography is similar along along the coast. So they had the same problem in uh, Oregon and Washington. They had crazy wildfires. We didn't hear about it as much, obviously, because our news is more localized to California, which was hit the hardest. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were still hit incredibly hard, like noticeably hard. Um, also, even uh, my parents in Colorado, and they had wildfires last year mm-hmm. in Colorado. Um, and that's, you know, considered a fairly healthy seasonal town. Oh, no, seasonal town. Seasonal state, you know, with snow in the winter months. And they still had that, you know, in the mountain areas. It wasn't particularly worrying, but I'm sure it's going to get worse. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, coming from myself, Southern California, which is like, I swear, got fire central. It's just a smidge hotter than Northern California. So, yeah. And then when I first moved up here, this was years ago we're talking about here, people. It was so nice because I'm like, oh, no more wildfires. And for a few years, 
there was no wildfires. All of a sudden, it's like, well, we lost half a city, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's weird to think. Uh, the wildfire that I remember, like it being a problem, was end of 2017. Um, and um, it took a big hit, you know? Uh, people really... Uh, they had to leave their homes. I mean, that the 2017 was the beginning, I think, of uh, being overwhelmed, uh, not being prepared. And, um, I mean, it was intense. Yeah, like, we had to evacuate within, you know, basically minutes' notice. And uh, that was just extremely disruptive for so many people. Uh, entire, you know, neighborhoods were lost in some of those fires. I think the Tubbs fire was of note. Um, some more north, some more south. But the Bay Area itself, all these various inland parts will get We'll get we'll get fires. Um, Santa Cruz Mountains, East yep. Bay, you know San Jose. Uh, this year especially it was bad, but it's funny to think that 2017 is where it started. And it just, it's really like Russian roulette. Yeah. Um, it could start anywhere, and almost everywhere is relatively close to um, basically forested areas. You know, it's just right next to fuel. Well, that's what made it so interesting, though. I mean, in terms of like, as I was talking about earlier, with in terms of like expansion overall. Because a few years ago, it was almost... It's not that, like, Oregon or Washington didn't have wildfires. I mean, almost every state experienced With, some sort of wildfire. Yeah. It's usually way smaller, though, in terms of, like, you know, maybe it's a few hundred acres. But this was, like, we're talking about thousands of hundreds acres. Hundreds of thousands yeah, of acres. Exactly. Hundreds, that's crazy. So the fact that, like... And the fact that I was able to get all the way up to... We're talking about, you know, historically, you know wooded sections of california where they haven't had fires for we're talking about like almost millennia's mm. were on fire you know yeah and it spread to oregon and then you know so it's weird to think that you can actually trace the fire from basically california to oregon and then eventually yeah. up to washington but that's never really happened before it's true that's what makes it so interesting yeah. they um they characterized the um fires i guess you know uh Cal Fire will characterize multiple fires in an area, you know, where it's not really worth distinguishing. Uh, they'll characterize those as complex fires, where they're just trying to deal with the overall, um, you know, size of the fire on the, you know, on the outer edge, not necessarily the individual unlit portions in between. So they just classify it as one large fire called a complex fire. So you're like, okay, well, this is not just one. This is multiple ones spanning a large area. And we had at least three for the Bay Area, we had three of these complex fires, which I'm pretty sure is unprecedented. Mm -hmm. And the size of these fires, I mean, I, it's, it's kind of mind-boggling. We had um, three that I remember just in our Bay Area, never mind in the northern counties, uh, and probably the southern counties in L.A. itself. Um, I mean, they hit hundreds of thousands of acres. It's crazy. And 2020 was an unprecedented year for this. It just smashed records. And you're like, okay, well, the year before smashed records. So if it smashed the records of the year before, which smashed records or smashed records of the year before, which is why 2017 is when it started, is when we had these records starting to break. Um, and that's just where we live. If you combine all of these complex fires and all the individual fires and being just constantly messaging is just always we're spread too thin. We're not able to handle all these fires. You know, people have to look after themselves. Don't complicate things. Leave early. Um I, I, there's there's nothing we can magically see that will make this go away. There's nothing right. that's better, you know. Um, our resources have not improved. Our, um, our our housing policies. Oh, Dylan, what the? You want to just exit that? Okay, oh, you got that's it. That's why. You are a technical <laughs> difficulty. Um, we had a blooper. But hey, yes, it's, it's, it's the 2020 recap anyway. There yep. was bloopers. So 2020. 2020 was a blooper. <laughs> um, yeah, so. 
it's it's just kind of mind blowing. It's a worry, and it's it's only talked about when it happens. Like when it's happening, and people are worried, and you just look at the news, and it just has the acreage burning. Uh, they happen, you know. They happen at the same time every year. Normally, the you know the later quarter of the year, October, well, um, September, I, I, October, November, and probably even into December now. Well, that's the most interesting bit. So now, about besides the good old U.S., I mean, we also have Australia that happened as well, and I believe that was what South Wales, correct? That was hit the hardest. New South Wales. Maybe it was New South Wales. I'm um, trying to remember which. So yeah. So obviously, Australia is kind of the opposite side of the the planet so their seasons are different so they had at the beginning of the year yep which i believe is hot i'm not sure if it is the hottest season of summer but it was you know still hot and dry but the best way to describe it is that the whole island was on fire and that's it it's weird to think (laughs) though but it does show i mean it was of course the whole the whole continent but like um yeah it's just weird because i mean we're like it's almost similar to the United States where, like, you look at a fire map, it's really just on the West Coast for the most part. Like, that's yeah. a major. But it's nuts because, I mean, Australia, I mean, they've had wildfires before, but it shows they're just, in general, growing. Like, mm. I mean, the U.S., Australia, like, these are big, you know, well, U.S. is a country, but these are big land masses. And technically, yeah, if you, like, from, let's say, satellite pictures, it doesn't look like it's that bad. You just see, like, little spots right everywhere. Mm. But I think if you look maybe 10... 20 years ago some of those spots were non-existent or it was just maybe one big red the fact that we're looking at this from satellites gives you an idea that you know it's some acreage yeah it's many many miles um going on and i mean i australia is an island and the populated areas are generally around the coast so if the fire starts from the middle where do you go continent my friend it's a continent yes what is the the country of australia (laughs) yeah so australia the continent and the country and then we have good old Eastern Europe, one of the coldest general, you know, regions in, you know, the uh, upper hemisphere in places like Serbia, parts of Russia that were also on Yugoslavia. Fire. I like saying that. <laughs> but, you know, historically areas that, I mean, again, as we're talking about with the U.S., you know, there's no areas that necessarily aren't prone to wildfires. Yeah. Um, but there's just some areas historically that really haven't had any or they've been so minimal where... They're not necessarily, I don't want to say counted, but, you know, it's just kind of like, okay, that's well, normal. it's not something know? we ever heard of in national news. Right. So, I guess the point, sort of, the important thing to note is that it's it's happening internationally, and I, I was not particularly versed, and still I'm not, in terms of, you know, what their season, seasonalities are with wildfires, and um, for my quick Google, I mean, they've been, they've been having them for years, but we didn't really know about that. We figured it's just, oh, it's just these major world powers that are having it, and it's a tragedy. Right. It's also a tragedy there. Well, it's weird to think. I mean, because, I mean, well, this shows there's probably, there's that link to global warming, you know, because, I mean, the fact that hysterically... Emphasis on global. Right. Well, historically, <laughs> like, you know, Eastern Europe, parts of Western Europe, I mean, there are tundras there, you know? Yeah, so, they get snow and ice, and it's disgusting. <laughs> right. It's kind of like, you know, like, places like it's Iceland, like, you know, they have all four seasons, technically, but their winters, you know, are longer than, like, their springs, you know, so it's like same thing in California like it feels like summer springs a little bit longer than some of the other seasons depending on where you're at so yeah it's but but so I mean most of the uh, like I said Eastern Europe it's just surprising because those areas are generally like especially during their winter time sub-zero stuff like that and it yeah. shows you that they're just you know especially with Serbia they just have the right equipment compared to like what we have here in like the states because you know especially California it's wildfires 24 7 feels like so hmm. our equipment at least is good but it was so bad for Serbia, they had to get help from Russia because they just didn't have the right equipment. 
And relatively, they were basically just large brush fires, but the fact that they really have the right equipment to do the job, that's how it spreads so quickly. Yeah. So. Well, so of note with that, actually, I would, kind of, I would counter that, that we technically didn't have the equipment we needed in California. Well, yeah, we had for multiple the... states arriving in droves over mm-hmm. days and weeks. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. We used to maybe have the equipment to handle what was seasonal, right? Yeah. But this, once again, these unprecedented years has shown that we don't, initially, especially in 2017, didn't have the ability to react to some of these quick fires with winds. Mm-hmm. Um, we just didn't know what to do. You know, we just, well, just just evacuate. I mean, we could go back even further. I mean, we're not trying to stray too far with 2020, but I remember... Uh, in you know the north bay area when they first had the 2017 you know wildfires going on i was hearing stories of basically how fire departments because so in the united states as well as probably other countries it depends on you know manufacturing but united states most of our fire trucks are custom built they're not really like coach built right yeah essentially and the problem is so what i was hearing from like my friends who are firefighters places that Basically, some of the couplers for different trucks, there wasn't universal fits. Mm. When they were built, they had a particular size for certain like components. Yeah. So you were able to link trucks to trucks, or some of them could be linked up It wasn't up all to universal and modular. Exactly. Yeah. Now they're going that direction. So that's what I was saying, the difference, though. At least we have, like, I don't say an abundance of equipment, you know. We invest a lot more. We do, a lot more. And well, it's still not enough. <laughs> well, it seems like, you know, unfortunately, some places in Eastern Europe... It's because they're just not used to having such large fires that they maybe have a fire truck or two for like AC. While you look at, say, let's say San Francisco, probably has like sixty fire trucks, and that's they mostly were just concrete. Sitting, they were just pissing around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, essentially. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting thought because um, it shows. I once again, like we 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 were never told how well it went. How you know what what is the situation and how it is it how is it progressing with these more and more extreme environments uh, in those in those international countries other than Australia which got a lot of news um, but over here I think it's interesting to see how 2021 you know the the end of summer uh, will work out you know how bad it's gonna be because a lot of California is surrounded by combustible material and yes. where we build homes where it looks nice where it's in- enjoyable to live is combustible material we live right next to forested land we just dig new areas out to build homes and obviously we have a major housing crisis here yes so it all feeds into are we really looking at the bigger picture no we're not right um if entire neighborhoods can get destroyed and we just build it back up stop it happening again well speaking of bigger pictures international issues the world the biggest the, the biggest well we'll get to i say the biggest pictures later on in this segment but some of the bigger pictures so you want to talk about taiwan a little bit and Good old China. Taiwan is a place. Taiwan is that a is all. So it is a. Um, yeah, what is people, it? It, it is. Ukraine t- doesn't exist, people. <laughs> Fire is just in your imagination. <laughs> so I think what's interesting for 2020 is um, so so Taiwan obviously um, they're connected to China. They have uh, technically a one country, two ruling system. It's not quite the wording, but they're technically part of China, but they're independently ruled. They have their own democratic system. And uh, 2020 was the year that that system was pushed to the breaking point. Um, so they, they are run different. They're actually a particularly good example of sort of an independent country. They're not huge, but they have a quite an interesting system of democracy. Uh, fairly well run and uh, not, not perfect, you know, but um, kind of efficiently run. There's a lot less bureaucracy going on there, but they, get, they can get things done. They, did, they dealt with COVID relatively well. I think actually they were quite a prime example of that. And uh, they really got things down in terms of COVID. Their economy is doing quite well, and people predicted it would actually start do, uh, 
moving into a sort of slowdown downturn, but they've uh, made some smart changes. Um, so the country itself has a lot going for it. And um, I think it's a good example of like sort of new democratic progressive rule that um, sort of given a fresh start and just lead, led to its own devices. It doesn't get too complex. Of course, as we know, the U.S. is a complex mess of democracy. So it's, a, it's an interesting country to keep an eye out for because um, other countries can do it well too. Um, but they've, they've really had trouble with, uh, with China. China has just really just been trying to encroach on their system and by, I mean, by law, which we'll find out doesn't really mean much anymore, they're supposed to have a, like a guaranteed democratic separation of their rule for uh, a certain time period, and I don't believe it's up yet. I think that was in the 90s that started, and they still are uh, allowed a certain number of years before they have to sort of renegotiate how they have their uh, government rule. And um, it's interesting. So it's uh, basically China have been trying to set uh, laws in the city, which I think the leader of the of, of Taiwan, she actually tried to pass this law, which basically allowed... Um, like democratic protests and government protests to be uh, criminally prosecuted in China, mm. and so obviously China doesn't allow much of this sort of as a as a communist-based nation. Uh, they have control of a lot of um, you know their media and what protest is allowed. But Taiwan is different; they're more democratic. And what China has done is they've pushed this so hard to basically. Al- I think it's the beginning steps of them trying to tamp down on this freedom, and uh, their goal is to basically make it prosecutable. To, to protest, you know, to have an opinion against the government, to, um, you know, to, to put that out there into the wild. And, um, well, there was massive protest over this. Well, there's a lot. Taiwan's an interesting issue to try to, like, dissect into because it's a little confusing, too. Mm. So, to clarify some things, technically speaking, I mean, Taiwan hasn't been part of China since, like, the 50s. The problem is, so when China had its civil war, basically the losing fraction of that side, which I think it was the people's republic or so like that basically they went to taiwan as an escape mm. so but yeah under china's one principle policy or whatever which includes like the philippines you know all sorts of things china views that's all their land and it, i mean it's not so that's why now at least taiwan i mean since almost i think the 70s there's been like some a u.s presence there and now we have man-built islands there but it's nuts to think that it's like this has been going on since like the 50s essentially and both nations view it, it's like, well, no, we're not a part of you, but China's saying they're like, oh, no, you're part of us. You know, this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So I think, well, it's some part of the main issue, though, independence itself. Yeah. You know, um, which, I don't know, it, it's well, Their governing is independent from China's, which, as we know, has their own certain system, which the U.S. doesn't agree with. Yeah. Um, and Taiwan is kind of like, well, what if China did have free democratic rule? It's a smaller experiment that I yep. think is fairly successful. Yep. Well, with the U.S. back in Taiwan, I, I'm pretty sure they'll just they'll, they'll carry out the experiment. Mm. Well, because that's an interesting point: <laughs> is to see how far the U.S. will continue that support. You know how how long they'll let the leash of you know. W- well, you with know those China. man-built islands probably cost a few billion. So I, I well, those islands, that, those, those <laughs> islands, China built. So uh, right? just. Uh, no, I think I believe we could double check that later. Because China has sure been building islands all over the South China Sea, right? Which has been causing a lot of tensions. China, but the thing is also the well, the U.S. has done that too, but specifically for Taiwan. Okay. So, so what was the purpose of the islands? You know, just so that way, like same thing with China, basically impeding into like Japanese waters, kind mm. of give it a buffer zone. Yeah. Well, so, so I believe. 
So yeah, China was building in waters that are classified as international, and so other countries are unhappy with this, like yes. the Philippines and Vietnam and such. Well, um, there's, a, there's that weird uh, nautical law that says, like, every country, basically, they have, like, 10 miles from their coast yeah. out. So, and that's the problem with Taiwan. It's basically right next to China, so that's the other part of the issue, too, as well. Yeah. So, Japan had the same issue, too, like, claiming certain islands in their region because of that, as yeah. well, you know, a while ago, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just a really weird, interesting issue. But Yeah. So, for the importance for Taiwan is to see how, um, just like here, our institutions have been tested, how theirs hold up. Um, have they maintained their democracy with, with U.S. support? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a test, just like with the, you know, with the European Union, you know, in terms of will, will we come to their aid? Will we draw a line in the sand at some point? Because China will keep pushing to get more rule and more influence in Taiwan. So that way, Taiwan, Taiwan. Um, so we'll those see. Days. Yeah, we'll 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 see how that goes. It's something to keep an eye out for. There's you know there's various international tensions at any point in time, and I think it's of importance because Taiwan is a great example of a country really moving in the right direction, kind of up until this point. Because some of their members of government have let China slip in a little too easily. Um, we got a little too loosey goosey, as the kids say, mm-hmm. and. It's something I'm actually worried about because China, I mean, I don't think we're going to go to war with China anytime soon because of China. But uh, this could be a, a, a perfect flashpoint in terms of, well, if we have to, you know, step in, step into our actual bounds of uh, responsibility, this could be a, a starting point. And who knows what could happen there? Because I think Taiwan is honestly a country to look up to in many ways. They're you know, very progressive and successful, and you know they're very, they're very savvy. Like they're actually efficient for the most part, government run. Of course, not perfect, but um, something to be proud of. So we'll see if this you know long time experiment, which seems to be going well, can hold up, or if uh, we'll just start getting these infiltrations, and um, you know this could all go awry, and then maybe we will get involved. So speaking of that, though, so clarification on that, I did look it up. So, now I was wrong. There are no U.S. man-made islands. It's only Chinese. However, mm. I guess the U.S. Navy basically disregards them, at least. Well, yeah, they're like all they disputed, don't... huh? All disputed and by other countries, too, which is kind of interesting as well. But, um, yeah, basically, so our Navy just sails by them. It's like, bring it on. Uh, I wonder you know? <laughs> if our Navy just kind of chips away at the sand until <laughs> the islands question. blow away in the water. So, But, yeah, so... All kinds of things China's doing, and I think Taiwan's the most important. Speaking of the locker room, you know, dick out on the fucking Whoa, bench. Oh, hey, I um, wear shorts. Let's talk about the uh, India-Pakistani border disputes. Oh, dick measuring contest? Yes. Yeah. So, India and Pakistan are countries. Yes. Welcome to the world. Right. So, they've been having a long border dispute, which has been relatively nonviolent of uh, as of the past few decades, uh, there's always been disputes of like, I mean, the whole, in general, the whole Middle East has disputes over general borders. I mean, like for a while, I mean, even Afghanistan was like debating parts of uh, Pakistan. There's another country next to the other day. And then same thing with like the Palestines and um, Israel, same thing back mm. and forth where that's a whole nother issue. But... Yeah, that's kind of, I would say, kind of common for the area, but it seems like it's becoming more and more common, though. It's yeah. like, actually really similar to China, where they're trying to take over parts of, um, um, God, what's driving me nuts? Is it the... It's in the north, but Himalayas? basically... The, well, yeah, I'm trying the, to think of the country. It's, it's a mountain range. Yes, it's not... Nepal? I, w- I think so. But basically, because they're trying to get rid of any last bits of Buddhism, like any other, like, you know, terms of religion... 
Well, I got a, I got a, I got a word for those people. Buddhism is not a physical place. Right. <laughs> you can't catch Buddhism. So mm-hmm. yeah, so I mean, yeah, it's it's yeah, yeah. Almost every it seems like there's always renegotiations in terms of like you know, I guess where land, where the actual lines are drawn. But what's interesting about what happened 2020, right? It got to a full on fist fight. It was a, it was melee combat. Melee combat. Or melee combat, whatever you know, like you know, yeah, physical hand to hand, bloody, violent, in your face, yep. murder. So that was. was there uh, any, do you remember? Do you, know, do you know if there was any deaths? I don't think that's the thing. My understanding was just a fist fight. It was just a full on, full on blown fist fight. I supposedly, if there was death. So I don't think at. there was. That's what we'll we'll double check that. But it's just interesting to show though that that could have led to a potential full on crisis. Yeah. So what so, is what is our worry or thing to keep an eye out in terms of this? Is uh, would you say we have two nuclear armed countries? So they both have nuclear weapons. You know, they're more advanced than North Korea. North Korea has always been the uh, the sour child in the corner. But these two are very um, relatively new nuclear-armed countries, and they don't seem to have the cool heads to keep it that way. Um, so I think, once again, most things are unlikely until they happen. <laughs> um, but I think it's unlikely it'll get to a nuclear war. But it shows if they're, you know, if whatever situation arised and someone could start a scuffle like this which once again i'm not sure if somebody died or not i think it was possible because i think india kind of got the upper hand and may have actually killed some people may have died but i don't remember but either way it was you know it was violent and there was injuries and such um this happened on a border you know this happened on an established border with established laws and rules and sort of you know an agreement to uh to keep an eye on that um kind of like with the north north south korea border except for you know this is this has been going on a long time, and you would think they would have a system down to just, you know, it's all, it's all for show, and there's not going to be any decision-making at the border by these particular individuals. It's more of a government-wide uh, talks, you know, issue. But uh, it's something to be aware of. I, I would have thought they've had more control. Um, so it shows you that just because you have nuclear weapons doesn't mean you have the, um, the right mental capacity to be in control of those or, you know, make the right decisions, which, once again... U.S. is not perfect either, or, you know, or China, uh, you know, Germany, Japan, and such. Um, but a lot of these countries, you know, they're not they're not waging or threatening with these. Uh, North Korea is really the nearest. And um, they're much far behind. But it shows you, if we already have talks and tension and news about North Korea and their, and their threats, these countries are way more advanced. They have more nukes, you know, they have more technology, and their population is much, much higher. You know, they're in a much bigger state. But in terms of their capacity to control themselves, it's uh, something of worry. You know, and this, this border dispute will probably keep going on. Hopefully it doesn't flare up of note. But did you learn anything, Dylan? Yeah, so we're both dumb. <laughs> we're both dumb? <laughs> so it, it wasn't necessarily... So it's Chinese and India. Their border. Sure. Yeah, apparently this is what it's claiming, which I was a little confused on too. Because I thought it was Pakistan as well. But apparently this face-off was between the Chinese army and the Indian army. And it was, yeah, basically fist fight, rocks and sticks. But then I guess there was a... So this... It sounds like it's basically off this article that there was a seven-month standoff, essentially. Hmm. That they're just both sitting on each side just kind of waiting for somebody to, like, make the first act. So it doesn't really explain how exactly the fist fight started. Hmm. But then a few months after, then there was 18 killings. Which was still still melee combat. Yeah. So, and what's interesting, the Chinese are not. It looks like they're not only produ- they're not producing the bodies of, I guess, these Indian soldiers, but they're not giving any official count 
as to how many were actually killed, yeah. which is further causing basically diplomatic, like, okay, we need action now because, again, World War Three. Mm. You know, so, yeah. Wow. This is, like, if you, honestly, reading this article is a little confused. Cause it, so this is kind of the same thing we are talking about with some of the other stuff with Taiwan. These are just issues that have been, like, going on for quite some time. This is, like, yeah. basically just compounding issues. Um, but, yeah. So, yeah, so that's uh, that was a little incursion that was interesting. Dylan, I'm starting to think that amateur is a strong word. <laughs> no, 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 it's perfect because 2020 was a fuck up, and we're just simply going with the flow of what 2020 what was. Is, should I play a racial card or just stay away from that? No. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, apologies. Um, I think it's important of note because there's always been tensions between Pakistan and India, and India is going more and more... Um, but they're trying to get, they're trying to go more Buddhist and trying to get the uh, Muslim element out of the country. I think that's more a nationalism issue. Um, oh, that's so a whole that's different issue going for. On. Yeah, yeah, so so China, I don't know. It's interesting. I don't think it's the direct sort of issue we think of just the U.S. and China and being the biggest country, but China's influence in these other countries' areas, you know? Um, the coalition, per se, is uh, interesting. It's well, it's in well, it shows you like religion does play a key role, I guess, in what China wants to do, yeah. Um, because so, yeah, they were trying to essentially annex Nepal, mm. that's the region we're talking about. We got the region uh, correct, we tried, but <laughs> yeah, and that's be, that's because of the religion with what the Nepalese believe in, yeah. So, that, that was really the issue. But that goes back to your thing. So a few months ago, uh, there was an issue with basically Muslims disappearing in China in general. Well, yeah, so, the Uyghur, the Uyghur camps. That's a whole fucking Jesus. Yeah, it's so, a terrible thing. It's itself. It's millions that we don't talk about that much. So I, I guess I mean we're not trying to make the segment about just China. We're just trying to show there's a lot of interesting little, little things that are happening that might add to a I guess a bigger conflict later on, which we yeah. will. Which is Talk funny about to think. In the segment here too. It sounds like a little thing, but World War Two had millions of people dying in concentration camps, right, because of their religion. China and, has not the same number, but I believe they have millions of Muslims in these. Um, uh, well, the Uyghurs is a, kind of the name for these. Um, what do you call them? These sort of outskirt uh, villages and stuff that have this yeah. Muslim-based communities, and they're Based being rounded like, up into these um, camps for re-education, quote-unquote. Essentially almost like forced ghetto living. It's like pray so. the gay away, but for China. Oh, these like, these, re, these <laughs> yeah. re-education camps for like, you know, they had the, that was a problem over here in the U.S. a little bit, but yeah. um, there's something really Still is not talked about. Still there's, is a big yeah, problem. Yeah, there's a couple, you know, people of note in government that are trying to make a stink about this internationally. And I think it is getting some traction, but the fact that we have millions, millions of human beings in these camps, pretty much against their own will, they're not getting like they're not getting paid anything. They're not getting just regular freedoms of even China, which is not that free mm-hmm. of a country. They're just they're being oppressed. And um, what say do we have in it right now? You know, honestly, it as well as things with China, with in terms of there's so many issues going on, and I mean it's hard because it's like. One, the, it's the most populated country, has the most people in the world, and it has the biggest like land region of any country. Yeah. So, it's interesting to think because I mean, like, I mean, there's even like theories about like how like in terms of like life began. I'm talking about like other continents that mm. you know. There's a big theory with the whole land bridge that basically everyone's from Asia anyway. But the reason I'm bringing that up is because who knows? I mean, 
Chinese people have been around a lot longer compared to, let's say, some other regions. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe what they view as normal because they're more developed, but who knows? I mean, it's it's one of those things where I don't... Personally, we feel like it's, it's not right because, I mean, in terms of what we've seen from, like, as you're talking about before, with concentration camps and stuff like that, I think there's kind of that moral issue where it's like you shouldn't put any, let's say, different group of people into a... A closed sealed area yeah, because you don't they're, like yeah, them. They're not exactly or you don't like agree a, with their um, views. They're not like an aggressive opposing foe in China. Exactly. You know, they're a smaller number because remember China has over a billion people, which is insane. And um, this is still millions of human beings, which would only be a couple percentage points of their population. Yeah, exactly. But their population is insanely big. One yep. um, fun fact also, if you think about that border dispute between India and China, not Pakistan, China, that's two billion people. Yep. Two billion people. That's like a quarter of the world. Yep. It is weird to think about, honestly. There's a, I mean, I think we talked enough about with China, because there's just a lot. That will be its own segment, too, eventually. Oh, Dylan, here. But, you think we're done with know, China? What's our next segment? Yeah, I know, right? Well, here we are. We're talking about Japanese oh, rearmament. So, the thing is, this has been happening. There's been talks about this since the end of World War II, because after World War II, basically, the Japanese weren't allowed to militarize as all, as well as Germany. There's they a few were allowed countries. a defense force, right, which is what they still call it, and is technically still their doctrine. It's weird, yeah, kind of. It's odd. Like, it's, well, we would say it's a defense force, but it, it's weird. Well, that's so what it's called, almost, right, and that's what they're limited yeah. to, quote-unquote, and this is why it's of note, right, for 2020. Yes. So, and now it's weird, because, of course, like, every other losing... A faction in World War Two. This includes like Germany, um, Italy, Italy. Like they were all limited in ways, basically, where they just couldn't rearm. But there's a lot of pressure because Germany, you know, after we're talking about the Cold War, they got what's called the Bundeswehr, which is like their version of kind of like I will say NATO. It's not quite like that. They're part of NATO, but essentially they're kind of tasking like the what was we're looking for the uh, kind of. Uh, I guess the military aspect of NATO, that's what they're basically in charge of. So it's interesting to see their role, but the reason I'm bringing it up is because Japan basically views other countries did you say like... Japan? I did a little Dylan, you Japan. need to leave. No, oh, <laughs> Japan. <laughs> um, J-A-Pan. Uh, Japan has been... that. That's the comparison they're saying. It's like, mm. well, why is it almost every other country, including Italy, can rearm, you know, and we're still pretty limited? Because yeah. their fear is China. And for a while, China has been bullying them, especially with their fishing lanes and stuff like that. Just their oceans, they've been really putting the pressure on. With them. everything we've been talking about, you know, China is sort of unpredictable and you don't know where they're going to prod next. Yeah, exactly. They've been prodding us too in well in certain areas. I mean, it just shows. But the reason, so that's why the Japanese are so concerned is that, you know, not only do they feel after to defend themselves, but, you know, even with the U.S. backing them, you know, mm. they just, well, a force where it's like a little bit more ready on hand. Versus yeah. having to wait for other people to come save them. Yeah, because, so. for example, I mean, the Philippines isn't right next to Japan, but it's sort of a similar, you know, it's sort of a similar landmass, per se, and it's one of those smaller countries in the area. They're not going to be able to defend themselves from a invasion like that. Um, obviously, Vietnam has shown that in terms of taking over the country, it's not easy and it's probably unlikely. Um, but in terms of taking over the major cities, it'd be very easily done. Yep. So... Japan is, you know, that I think they're of all the small countries, they're obviously in the best um, position, and they take themselves the most seriously. Like they, they mm-hmm. really do invest money, uh, and I think it's, I think it's a smart amount considering, you know, their economy size and such, and sort of their demeanor. 
Um, but what are they? So what? So what are they changing for 2020? What was of note? Well, they basically want to have a real navy again, because they've had an amazing, you know, air force essentially. You know, it's one of those co-op forces with the U.S. Air Force. Um, and it's basically a U.S. Air Force with Japanese pilots, essentially right. almost, which is not so, a bad thing. And yeah, it's not a bad thing because they still have access to and the F-16, they are developing F-35, their own like sixth the, gen fighter. They are so, which is cool. So that's their kind of complaint. It's just more the fact that you know the U.S. Navy is basically using up you know their harbors, their bases, and they feel that you know it'd only be fair if they have some sort of force of their own to defend their own their so, own autonomy. Exactly, because they don't want to. Which I get it. You know, I mean. With China being the threat it can be, you know, I get that you want probably to have something on hand ready to go immediately versus having to wait for, you know, another fleet from another country to come. And, mm. Do you, you know, think um, there's a Pacific fleet that's like, well, I think there's actually two of them. They're always dedicated to that area anyway. Yes. But it does show, I mean, with how big China is, it doesn't hurt to have. You know, not actually. Yeah, it's you know, it's, it's a deterrent because if 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 China starts prodding like these other areas of note we talked mm-hmm. about, if they start prodding and it proves that the U.S. either won't react quick enough or will let things slide, exactly, then it's going to give more confidence to prod. And it doesn't matter if the you know if if Japan can rely on them as if well if they do rely on them and it's mm-hmm. too late, damage is done. China's just going to keep coming at it. Exactly. Um, whereas if you know Japan can, which once again they probably just need to hold out for a certain period of time. They need to cause enough. Make it difficult enough to gain, make any progress to where it's not worth it. And now the U.S. is involved. Now NATO is involved. Things yep. like that. Um, well, so they're stepping up the game. I mean, yeah. you know, recently they replaced like their main battle rifle. Again, you know, they are basically the kind of the project managers of our next fighting aircraft in terms of. No, 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 no. This is their. This is homegrown. It's homegrown, but so the we, U.S. will have no involvement in this. So, the reason I'm bringing that up is because, like, for example, so we contract them the F-35, right? So Which is a sort of fifth gen, but it's not, once yes. again, they did not give any other country the Raptor, which is the more Correct. capable aircraft there was, so the reason for I'm bringing, air combat. Yeah. Well, the reason I'm bringing this is because the U.S. considered, because, you know, with Boeing and some other companies in terms of some of these contracts, because mm. the products aren't that great sometimes, they considered basically contracting Japan. Japanese. Japan. Japan, Japanese yeah. industries to basically, you know, same thing. Lease their fighters. Yeah, we're considering it. So, so you're saying allowing Japan to manufacture already existing designs from the U.S. Well, that and also essentially the sixth generation fighter. If they actually do build it, because they are allowed mm. to build it at this point, yeah. there's a chance that we basically instead of you know, let's say paying Boeing, God knows how much money every year. Yeah, we might do a little bit more investment into other countries that produce essentially i better feel equipment. like so that would be a smart a idea topic. that would be a smart idea well that's what makes it a hot topic because mm-hmm. like but it's not going to happen and you know why because our military industrial complex has to be u.s based it depends no there i mean there's other examples where they there have been cases where they go outside i guess of their uh i will say their realm but i there are a few examples mostly with more talk about like handheld weapons Yes, it's you know, not of national but, security importance, but in terms of the expense, yeah. like for example, fighter aircraft is probably mm. the most top, like aircraft are probably the most top secret government information out there. Because if you learn how to counter your aircraft, mm. you basically learn how to counter any sort of invasion or defense. Yeah, true. But there's some because, like, for example, the replacement for the Humvee that um, MRAP and stuff. Whatever it's yeah, there's there's this other one. Um, I want to call it the Ardvark, and I know that's not the acronym. I just like the animal. <laughs> well, apparently, part of that was actually made in the UK. Yeah. So that so that's the thing. I think 
well, the that's, U.S. That's not of national, like extreme national security either. If you think about it, that's still good old fashioned combat. It's good old fashioned combat, but I mean, you think about like the, the technology and some of these, you know, replacement for like the Humvee, basically like mm. any kind of ground vehicles. It can still be pretty essential. In it's true. What they can do, but, so. And so I guess it's more so the electronic but, specific secrecy of yeah, the equipment. The, well, this is a topic for another day. We can talk about that later yeah. on. But, like, what I mean is basically there's a chance the U.S. is kind of slowly creeping towards the fact that it's like, well, if there's other countries that make a better version, mm. maybe we should consider it. Because yeah. Japan, after World War II, has been a pretty good ally. Like, they, you know, there hasn't yep. been any real tension. Very well behaved. So, oh, that's terrible. Unlo- so, unlike the U.S. So, it's weird. Like, you know, they're just kind of asking essentially for a Navy again. That's all they really want, it looks like. And it doesn't really seem there's much threat to us. And the fact that they're like a, a six-gen six gen fire that's going to be probably better than anything we have here. Yeah. It always seems like it makes sense to kind of do some swappies. I think, so. I think that's interesting because so. I, there is some advantages. And the advantage definitely is not cost. But there's advantage to keeping everything homegrown is you can keep that secrecy chain because that is what's yeah. up of importance. If anything gets leaked and then the wrong information gets leaked, that is vital in terms of how to counter something, then it makes the entire program obsolete. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah. say if the, once again, favorite airplane of all time, the F-22 Raptor, right? That was developed, I believe, in the 80s to 90s, right? Think about that. It mm. still is not currently countered. Yeah. 30 to 40 years later, right? Because it is of... Uh, insane secrecy it's not the most technological air uh, advanced aircraft anymore that is the f-35 right mm-hmm. but as an example of this is tar- part of the um i forget the word i used before the doctrines in terms of like this is sort of what they base their military capabilities off is they have these you know this does that we need to keep this secret we can let this slide and stuff so i'm curious if we went with a, another country which japanese is probably the best example of a most trusting country that you know you can rely on makes a good product won't won't jeep you like for example turkey and stuff like that has gone back and forth gone with russia for equipment when you know canceled u.s orders we've had to actually cancel some of our equipment because their behavior mm-hmm. but i'm curious if it would still be too too risky for the information to either be sent to other countries and they would allow other countries to buy it unless the u.s could sort of have a you know uh, a one-to-one deal that would prevent other countries having access to jap to that sixth gen aircraft yeah um well i think it depends honestly so, and I, we'll see well i remember like okay so you remember this is now we're not trying to go too far into this little quick story but um but it's so I remember this was in 2020 but I remember when the it was so dude the the i can't remember it is i believe it was the u.s air force in japan Basically, they lost F thirty five over like over in Japanese waters. You I think that? also it was a Japanese F thirty five too was lost. Yes, so the reason I think a I'm couple were lost in twenty twenty or had incidents. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so the reason I'm bringing that because when that happened, I mean it was it'd be pretty easy because that was a lease program. Those you know mm. planes essentially, it could be very easy for the U S. Given their abilities, especially with their navy, just be like no no Japan, you you stay home, yeah. don't even try to search. They actually told the Japanese as well, like, hey, can you help us out? You know, and they kept under wraps for the most part because they're basically making sure China didn't find yeah. out. So the fact there was enough trust, the fact, you know, that you got mm. two nations looking for these planes, essentially, you know? Yeah. And technically, if either one found them, I mean, let's say the Japanese found them first, they could, if they wanted to, in theory, you know, they could have easily yeah. had pulled the wreckage, well, done yeah. at least some sort of testing, some sort of like. Is to gather some sort of information before they have to turn it over to the U.S. again. Yeah. So it shows there's enough trust where it's like if they're willing to let the Japanese find you know high tech salvage planes that were mm-hmm. lost, you know that will have certain national well, that's, security well, that's data. Because Japan also technically 
has rights to that aircraft too because they've actually they purchased them for their own use. Mm. So the U.S. allowed it, but they purchased them from those from those companies, right? Mm. Um, well, it's a good point. A, it shows like, Japan's well, the best example of well, that. Well, I mean, I mean, but keep in mind, just because you purchase it doesn't mean you can actually work on it. Good example of like Tesla. Yeah, but they could, they couldn't <laughs> they couldn't physically stop it though. Good physically stop, but like I mean, I would say a good example though with that. Like there are some products you know you can buy, but like. Certain people can only work on them. That's how it's designed, you know? But so if, if, you, if you have the skill and know-how, you can. If you have the skill and know-how, they make I mean, it, yeah, They make but, it unuser-friendly, but... Um, but you, I mean, you yeah. see the point that they could have easily, I mean, basically just told, you know, basically say, hey, we got a huge fleet here, yeah. throw it into our waters, you know, while we're looking for these planes. Yeah. So Well, I imagine that would be part of the, uh, the deal with this country is that, you know, they get support equipment, they get the training and know-how... Because at the end of the day, they want to be able to um, domestically take care of these things for their own, once again, for their own Japanese force. They want to be able to independently, you know, do their own forces, have their own, you know, schedules and stuff for maintenance and repair. Well, um, yeah. Well, the thing is, so like, yeah, this is about over another day because we go back and forth on this. But yeah, yeah. keep in mind though, basically every base in Japan is a U.S. military base. Mm-hmm. So. That's the thing. Like, I would even say, like, the Japanese are actually given that much access, right? Into, but it shows that that's, that's kind of, I feel like when that happened, that's kind of maybe a breaking point mm. where, it, you know, because easily there's, like I said, at any given time, like two or three fleets in this area, right? Yeah. And the fact that like, every basically base in Japan that's US, you know, I mean, it's only US. Like, there might be some Japanese workers, Japanese, like, military on base, but they're, it's not their base, technically. That's what mm. makes it kind of like, okay, well... Well, I would imagine this. There are probably Japanese actual bases. Of course, the U.S. has a comfortable footing in Japan. Well, but there's probably also actual Japanese military bases. Well, right? they have the regular army. Yeah. But in terms of real importance, which is going to be your naval and your air force bases, those mm-hmm. are all American. Are you sure about that? The, I'm pretty sure I said they're okay. all... Because huh. under the that's why this is so controversial with this whole rearmament. Mm. Re, you get me. <laughs> Rearmament. Yes. That's what makes it so hard because, you know, essentially since the 50s, they haven't been able to really step up any, like, their military. Like, they're limited with basically any kind of bases they can build. Like, that's what makes it so controversial because same mm. thing with Germany. Basically, when Germany got split apart, they were allowed to build anything initially. And even mm. into, like, the 60s, the 70s, you know, going, you know, nothing. The only bases on the east side were Russia. There was no German bases, really. Yeah, and on the west, okay. same thing. So that's the thing. About, that's what makes rearmament interesting. That's why, if you notice, there's no real countries that. Okay. I mean, we haven't had a real another recent war where we've had to actually tell a country, mm. you know, you, you can't rearm at all. But that's what makes it interesting because that's what they complain about. You know, this happened basically 70 years ago. Yeah. You know, and we still can't have a real military. Yeah. That's their complaint. And it makes that's the thing. They've been working so, with each other since like the 50s. That out technically, yeah. you know, and. You know, basically, I'm hoping the fact that they're able to allow the Japanese, their merchant fleets, to help find these aircraft parts, that there yeah. might be enough trust where it's like, okay, maybe we can actually share stuff. And, you know, you give us your six-gen fighter, we'll let you have a naval fleet. Because that's mm. all they really want well, is, is a naval Well, is it just fleet. the U.S. or is it, say, a NATO or um, a treaty between multiple countries? Well, that's the thing. So my, my understanding of that is that that was only the U.S. and the Japanese. NATO was involved. But also, NATO is more of a land force anyway, honestly. Yeah. Okay. So, so for our question for this, I guess in terms of our, our amateur attempt at it, is do you think it's a good idea? 
Oh, I mean, I like, get the vibe that we both agree that we're totally okay with that. Oh, absolutely. I don't think like I think really as we talked about before, Japan's concern is not us; it's mm-hmm. China. Yeah, that's their concern. So no, yeah, exactly. So I'm curious if there was pushback, which it always tends to be pushback, even for the most obvious thing. Um, like you could probably that, just actually. Them, yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, like let's say I'm not trying to backtrack too much, but even World War Two, right? I mean, technically, World War Two happened in like. I believe it was like the early 30s with Japan and China, Rape of Man King, stuff like that. Yeah. So technically the war happened way early before we entered it. But the only reason the Japanese even attacked us is because of the arrangement with the Axis powers. Mm. That was the only real reason. Yeah. So They didn't have personal beef. Yeah, exactly. They just, it was like more of a military strategy. So that's why it shows even, you know, given, you know, Pearl Harbor and stuff, before that, there was not really an interest in necessarily directly targeting, you know, the United States. It's only yeah. after that coalition with the Nazis and Russia, they're mm. like, okay, well, of course, then Russia switched. But either way, there was never really, I guess, a, you know, out of hate to attack us. It was just strategy. Yeah. While with the Chinese, there's a deep-rooted hate because of, you know, we're talking about millennia of fighting back and forth between one another. Yeah. So that's the difference. And really, there's there's more hate. Once again, there's more hate from China to Japan, and vice versa, because of Japan's history of actions with China. Yes. Um, which is the most recent, which is again World War Two and such, um, is where there was a lot of felt hate because there was a lot of atrocities done. To be fair. Um. So yeah, sum that up. I I honestly would trust. I their beef is with China. It's not. Yes. Yeah, I would say, um, which I have noticed, is like you could probably just put limitations on some aspects that would prevent them being able to large launch a large full-scale war at distance, which would just be, like, range limits on, na- you know, naval uh, ships and well, stuff. Well, that's why I just say let like them do it. It's not like they have, like, a budget to build, like, uh, like us, where we have, like, almost eight fleets now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they don't have the and budget And they are for not that. ready for anything. They'll probably get maybe two aircraft carriers produced and maybe some, you know. Yeah, they really it, don't even you know need I mean? that, though, do they? They, they really just need defense aircraft, and they do need a, maybe a platform, think, but domestically they can launch aircraft. I think, honestly, they just want some sort of not only symbolic level of trust, but also gives them some sort of defense strategy. That's yeah. all they really want. Project power. The point of aircraft carriers and fleets is to project power. Yep. So, so that's the thing. They're never going to be able to, like, even if they were given permission, mm. let's say today, to actually, like, okay, you make yeah. your naval fleet, it'll still take them a decade to actually get something yeah. decently yeah, operational. Yeah, that, that, that 6th gen is, is probably going to be done by about, like, 2030. I mean, it's going to yeah. affect their GBD. I mean, GP, G, gross domestic product. Um, so the thing is, in terms of money, too, because it's not like Japan's, like, a super wealthy nation. You know what I mean? Yeah. GDP, GDP Dylan. Yes. GDP, we did so, it. So, you know, that's the thing. So that's the thing. That's why, like, I don't really, I'm not, personally, I'm not worried, because, like, really, they don't, they're not, they don't have the money to basically be like, okay, we want eight destroyers, we want four aircraft carriers, mm. we want eight new air, you know, air, uh, you know, airfields. Like, they don't we have the money for that. We need eight Eric's in the battlefield now. <laughs> you know? So, they just want something, you know, basically, so at least they stand a decent fight against yeah. China. That's all they want, you know? Yeah. That was a good chat. That was good. We learned a lot. We should definitely come back to that in terms of the thoughts oh, about will. that region. Um, well, let's talk about a whole next. different region: Middle East, Iran. Iran assassinated us. Right. No, wait, no. So obviously there was that assassination <laughs> of uh, Soleimani, right? He was a military leader, um, uh, you know, prominent, well loved in Iran, and there was a lot of protests after his death. Yes, I don't really think it accomplished much. Well, it's hard because the U.S. Were kind it was of- more of a symbolic. 
well, I think. Uh, well, they used the proper, they put like U.S. propaganda version where they're claiming that he was basically an extremist leader that was basically staging a coup mm. with his like, what was it called? Something guard like. Iranian um, National Guard, something weird like that. So, I mean, I think it's a front. It's hard to say because well, those issues will never actually know yeah, like, what the deal is. He's, but he, he, he's a key figure. He's uh, he's well liked. Like he's very well respected in Iran. He's not a dictator per se. He's viewed very positively by the population of Iran. And I remember after his death was reported, there was you know there was sort of protests and gatherings in the streets to sort of mourn his death. Um, which means that he had say in that country. And he wasn't viewed negatively, so I'm trying to think of in terms of what they were trying to prevent, or if it was just trying to show. I mean, in terms of either you know the White House's um, competence that they can pull off something like this, but I don't think it accomplished anything of note versus the actual tension it caused. Yeah, no, exactly. I don't think it's hard to say because we were given that much information from either side, and it's yeah. hard. I mean, you. I mean, of course, you know, good old Trump, like with his like we. Took out the monster. He was a monster, and now the monster's gone. Like he's dead. You know, we have. That's the problem also with everything that went down. I mean, in terms of there was no real information. At least, like for example, after like um, Saddam Hussein was killed, like you know, there was like we're talking about reports after yeah. report after report. Bin Laden. You know exactly. Like you know, there's not. <clears throat> excuse me. There's not. Uh, was not really much detail exactly mm-hmm. to why particularly him? I mean, Wait, what, you know, wasn't there? initial reports that they anticipated he was going to do something and then it just turned out to be false reports. Well, that's the thing. They talked about two things. They talked about the whole staging a coup thing, hmm. which, I mean, maybe. I, I don't know. Like, I still don't think that's There was no fetched. evidence that something was going to happen. Cause, right. Yeah. And it's still about basically weapons dealings. And I think, so, well, which, I think, honestly, in terms of the practicalities of dealing with Iran, he probably is a fine person. He's, like, relatively stable. Yeah. He's been in the country for many decades. You know, he has a a known track record, so I, I mean, I'm not saying he's a great guy or anything, but in terms of dealing with Iran with the way it is and trying to mm-hmm. not create tensions, it seems like there was just no reason to, that would have any benefit, you know? Yeah. It's not like um, it's not like a Libya situation, which went to shit anyway. You know, yep. we thought, well, this person's kind of bad. He kind of gypped the U.S. and uh, we want to take him out so we can start something new. Went do to you shit remember anyway. his name though? Gaddafi. Yeah. Um, which fun <laughs> fact? Do you remember the retaliation from this assassination that Iran did? I do not. They yeah. uh they did a missile strike on a U.S. base. Ooh, remember? Look at that. Okay, okay. Um, okay. I believe it was one of the neighboring countries, and yeah, they did a um a missile strike, which they did warn about. And I remember there was a lot of hoo ha because the the White House initially said there was no casualties, mm. and then they said there was just some like concussions and um like no deaths, but like um just some mild. Um, like brain injuries and stuff, you know, concussions, hearing loss. And then I was times like, yeah, there's kind of more serious brain injuries and concussions and loss. And basically it's like, yeah, there's probably some major impacts on those soldiers on the ground that sh- that had that were forewarned and still weren't given yep. right protection. So what did it accomplish? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> so it's just, it's like, obviously this shouldn't happen again for the most part. Hopefully. You know, it shouldn't be as obviously dumb as it was. And fun fact also, which is interesting, is... Um, by just I think it was December, could have been end of November, there was the Israeli suspected um coup attempt. They killed a Iranian scientist. Which they do a lot. They they are they're they're really trying to prevent Iranian nuclear power plants and their sort of progression of their nuclear yeah. regime, which would have been is fine that, is if that we just stayed in the treaty. But yeah. Well is that kind of ironic I mean this didn't happen to a tutty, but you know, the whole, you know, Iranian uh, 
was it Iran nuclear deal or whatever it was that was yeah. I think that was like a twenty Obama oh no was, uh, yeah it was before Obama yeah. left yeah they so. they just got it done per se. Yep, and then basically Trump was like, oh no, it's okay, it's fine, we'll just toss that. Yeah. And, and now we decide to kill Walter Thompson. How are we going to build trust again? Because it's not going to prevent well, them. Well, I love it. We basically gave them now nuclear capabilities, you know, if yeah. they really want to. We even incentivize them yeah. even more. Yep, and then we kill their top leader. So, well, one of them, sorry. So it's Yeah, just, and Israel is doing their thing. I think Israel is going a little bit off the rails with this. It's it's known that they do these sort of actions. You know, they have pretty good, you know, covert ops, Well, of we'll save Israel for a second yeah. here. But going back to Iran, it is, uh, yeah, this is one of those clusterfuck scenarios that honestly, yeah. either side it's going to be, it's hard because as, as, you know, Coast was saying, like, you know, the people of Iran view him almost like as a hero. They don't, yeah, there's not he's really, a well-respected, stable guy for the most part. Yeah. yeah, so, and there's not really, I mean, his track record, I mean, you know, seems pretty clean. We've only done, like, you know, some research on him, but it seems like there's nothing that really stands out. It's kind of like we type in, let's say, Gaddafi or Kim Jong-un, and it's just like four million already terrible articles. Yeah, just like, you on. connect the dots, yeah. and you're like, this person is not doing anything good. I think for Iran's path, which, you know, Iran is... They kind of have a wrecked economy. They're they're kind of you know they're they're tattered in a way, and they're they're probably prideful, right? Mm-hmm. And this guy was sort of a symbol of like you know stability, being brave, courageous, yeah. and just sort of going in the right direction for Iran's future. Which end of the day, you don't want to specifically start combat with any country for no reason. You know, ideally, you want Even us to all get along. Almost happened. Right. We. I mean, we've done that so many times. Like Vietnam, perfect example. So. If you can avoid it and you can just have something that kind of gets as many benefits out of it, which, quote-unquote, was the Iran nuclear deal, which was not perfect but set in place, this not happening. Right. <laughs> um, it's just, it's frustrating, which it should end. It should right. be done with the new administration. And we now, should have no more of this bullshit. Since we've touched up on that, you know, I think it's time to move into the next part of the Toy Toy segment, which kind of we, ca- we kind of capped on. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> WW3, aka World War Three, And we actually talked Worldwide about... Worldwide Wrestling 3. Well, we already talked about all the major players. China, Taiwan, India, Pakistan's well, in you there. We haven't talked about much as North Korea, huh? We haven't, but honestly, Toy Toy, there's way too much to happen, and honestly, North Korea's been going on since, you know, the to 50s. To sum, so, sum up North Korea you know, in 2020, some nice letters were sent. Here we go. Well, it's kind of hard. I don't want to detract too much, but like, you know, I know we talked about Japan from like, you know, the basically the 20s into now. So we're going to just kind of keep on 2020. But the reason I'm not really about too much about North Korea, even though they do have like intercontinental ballistic capabilities as a nation themselves, it just, it's still weak power overall. Mm. Like, it's mostly, mostly, sorry, it's mostly a, you know, we're talking about a ground force. Mm. You know what I mean? There's not really a big air force, you know, there. There's not really a naval division there. You know there what is, I mean? Like, there, there, is a, there is a numbers game there. They do have a lot of troops. Obviously, they're not very well equipped. Well, that's, or, that's the early real plus. Yeah. They have a lot of, you know. Also, they haven't had like. They have a, one of the largest armies in the world. But, I mean, in terms of exactly training, you know, health. Mm. Stuff like that. We know like what we should do. We should airdrop them some infamil so they can get some nutrition. <laughs> so that's all they got going for them. I think that's what the U.S. honestly just doesn't take the threat seriously because yeah. you know most of their force is going to come from if it's a, if it's a ground battle, mm-hmm. which the U.S. would never really do. Probably another land war. Yeah, anyway, we, we so. don't start off on the ground battle. We take care of all the assets that could affect our air forces, and then yep. we bomb what we need to. So and then we come in to you know get all the nitty gritty done. Moving on to the World War Three aspect. So. Mm-hmm. 
let's just say if Iran was to nuke us, since they do have nuclear capabilities, I mean, Iran does have allies in the Middle East that probably would hop on board with them, depending. So there is that what? issue. And yeah, then, I forget which Middle Eastern ones. I mean, they're all various levels of bad. I believe area. Saudi Arabia is not with Iran. They're with us. Yeah, um, which, which is funny. So that's interesting. That's an interesting player right there. But also Israel, too. Imagine oh, imagine Israel's retaliation oh, if they saw nukes. The Doesn't Palestines, yeah. Israel, like a lot of... It's weird because there's a lot of Tension. Middle Eastern countries people don't realize where they actually have a pretty... We talked about earlier with Pakistan, they're guerrilla fighting. Like a lot of these Middle Eastern countries have been invaded for so long, whether it be the Romans, the British, like they've actually had, we're talking about like hundreds of years of fighting going on. Yeah, like if so you look at how much, yeah, they, how, how much you know. pent up anger, I keep going to Israel, but it's important to see actually how important Israel is for the region. Uh, they've been invaded by all these countries. Like all these countries have tried to team up to invade them, have never succeeded. So they have, just like kind of Japan has a really efficient, tightly, you know, powerful aggressive force in there that has great capabilities for oh, its size. I, I got a better quote than that. Not trying to detract back to Afghanistan, but Afghanistan where empires go to die. Yep. <laughs> where attrition wins. <laughs> so, um, yeah. That's the thing. I mean, it, it's, it's hard because I think that what made World War III the aspect of that was so scary was because the nuclear capabilities. Yeah. Because we'll probably never get to the point where we're going to be, you know, every missile is launched because honestly, mm-hmm. in reality, Russia, US, China... <clears throat> I mean, half our nukes are probably incapable of actually doing anything. Yeah, and they've been sitting well, around yeah. for God knows our how long. Our land-based missiles would not really be necessary because yep. it's just the time frame, and it's like, yeah, they could they could do it, but it's not the most efficient. We're gonna have with these Pacific fleets and all these other you know regional fleets. They, mm-hmm. There's always nuclear submarines. Yep. There's actually nuclear tomahawks, I believe, in use. Um, you know, smaller ones, and these other countries like Israel has uh, has Thad. You know, the terminal high. Uh, forget what it is the but their missile defense system mm. so that you know when uh, palestine and such fires these things at their at their cities it actually shoots them down it's expensive but it works so they could, i'm sure israel has has multiple plans and maybe even like wet dreams about you know attacking iran well it shows you exactly how i mean in terms of i guess the philosophy of like mm. nuclear war exchange because exactly almost every major country has you know some sort of anti-missile defense system mm. you know what i mean something where you know a good portion of those nukes are yeah. going to hit the ground yeah i mean you only need a few to hit the ground actually yeah you know, cause and major i don't damage, think iran but. has that like stockpiling capability they're still kind of currently always progressing towards it yes they have same capability but if you think about all the countries in the area that aren't with them and have beef once again i mean israel is so close mm-hmm. like they're the most likely to be able to react yeah right so they would and I think over aggressively so, if you think about it, which which still would be to our favor. Um, what do you would you do you, have, do you have an out of ten rating for war with Iran? Well, I mean, given I mean their nuclear capabilities and they're really what it would come down to, which again we talked about with like you know the idea of air superiority as well as naval you know mm. supremacy. Um, that really, I mean, like with them it'd be more of a ground battle i mean basically we'd be trying yeah. to basically missile them into compliance because you know? of note so for iran they have kinda, they, they have a large missile stockpile and yeah. they have a large missile defense and air defense system i keep yeah. i keep saying not i'm keep saying trying not to go back out of 2020 but one more example i swear audience so like syria you remember that because that was like a playground between like mm-hmm. russia the u.s and unfortunately the civilians but that was a good example of like everyday missling 
that's kind of what would happen, honestly, yeah. at that point. Because we're, we're probably never going to do, again, any kind of land base unless we really have to. Because mm-hmm. we still, I mean, I mean, the U.S. has a press of tanks. We still have the Abram. Germany has And they Panthers. actually just funded a bunch of upgrades for the Abrams tanks. So we will be yeah. ready for ground combat if needed. Yep. You know, and then Russia warfare. has the pretty deadly, which I'm curious about, the new T-series. that is, Which they built like four. Yeah, true. So that's of note but, is Russia's lack of funding means that they they're technologically there, mm. but in terms of their deployment, they're not. Yes. Yeah. So it shows though eventually though. I guess really the question is, which with the Middle East, I mean they've been holding out again for the millennia in terms of like being invaded by empires among other things that like even with everyday missile, I'm pretty sure they'd honestly hold out to the point where like if we were to basically if we had to invade. We'd, the only reason we did because we ran out of missiles. And at that point, honestly, hopefully there'd be some sort of like, okay, it's over anyway. Well, There's some yeah, sort we're, like, we're going to go know? through the missiles, then we'll so. just start lobbing grenades over the border. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... it's I Get mean, it over 20 yards. It yeah. well, shows exactly how exactly... How, how exactly how is... Oh, God, that's terrible. Um, it shows really how bad the problem is because really... I think everyone pictures World War Three like World War Two was, where there was like distinct fractions, just mass movements, yeah. and um, you but know. In reality, yeah. I think it'd just be everyone tearing themselves apart. Because, like for example, right, as we've seen before, I mean, Russia is basically in a pissing contest with the Ukraine and Crimea. They're trying to which get, is technically really a pissing contest with NATO and us. Yeah, and then you know Germany is having issues with France in some cases. You know, so and then of course in the U.S. we don't like China or Russia. But in the Middle East itself, almost every other area next to it, they just don't like each other. Yeah. So I think people picture World War Three as it's kind of like it was before, where it's like, okay, all of North America is teamed up against all of like Europe. You know what I mean? When it's mm. really, it'd be more like it's U.S. It'd be like you know, fucking boxing. All right, next up, you know, semifinals. <laughs> we got Russia versus China. You Fuck know? you, Czechoslovakia. That's really how it would be. Probably, yeah. I feel like it wouldn't be what people think, where it's like a bunch of like. Naval, it wouldn't just be like a large warfare. line movement across it, Europe, like World War Two, where you know where you bring in the tanks, you start your combat, you see who can pincer movement, exactly. who, what towns you can take, such and such. Yep. Yeah, like, there might be initial because so yeah. the point of NATO is you know like you know there's North American Treaty you know organization where it, there are countries that it's are already an agreement that like hey because they don't have this military power mm-hmm. well they have the U S backing them yeah exactly and I'm curious how that would honestly work That's because the there's already you know countries that are trying to pull out of that so I mean, it's, Ukraine happened yeah Crimea so, yeah. So that's why I'm honestly, I'm curious. I, I'd imagine some countries, like, for example, maybe the U.S. and Canada would probably team up. Hell, fuck, probably even maybe U.S. and Mexico, honestly. But, yeah. you know, it, it shows, though, I don't think it's going to be as, like, distinct lines as people think. It's going to be kind of a clusterfuck of a war. Yeah, that's it's what like, what sort, of, so scary. what sort of victories are you looking for? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I didn't answer my question. How to 10 rating for Iran? Well, in terms of, like, defensive. likelihood, Likelihood of uh, World War Three. I give it like a three. Three. Honestly. Yeah, like, it's going to be between like two or three. So I, I think it's relatively low. Um, World War Two with an Asian country. It's also like, oh, like China? Yeah. If they really wanted to. I don't want to be racist, honestly, so I just said Asian country. Dude, China. <laughs> so I'm not trying to, you know, basically like bat China, 
But they've been itching, it seems like, for a war. Like, so, I give that a solid, honestly, eight. Really? You think that's... So, for, so for 2021... Uh, they've been prodding us. Mm. They've been prodding Russia. They've been mm. prodding Japan. They're trying to take the Philippines. I mean, like, mm. you know what I mean? I it's would, just they're yeah. not stopping. That's the problem. You know what I mean? But we're talking and about so World War III. they're fights yeah. with fucking, you know, Pakistan. And Taiwan. they killed their soldiers and now they returned their bodies, apparently. Yeah. So, like, you know, it just shows there's... There's that that itch, you know. I, I mean? It's so, kind of like okay. we, it's kind of we talked about before with like you know Japan and China just having that you know extreme Tension, hate that's based yeah. off like we're talking about like generations of just violence. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I was talking about earlier with the U.S. and Japan. It seems like it's more of a symbolic, like okay, well, we just like terrible to you. Let's compensate for. It. Let's be friends, and it's worked out ever since. So it's like you know what, yeah. you are a friend. Let's try to, like, if something happens, it's because, we're teaming yeah, up, you know? Japan vowed to, like, just cut away just opposite direction from that path and that leadership structure. Yep. Um, okay, so you give it a high chance. So you think in terms of World War Three or, like, a major conflict or a, a, an intense uptick of conflict, let's just say 2021 rough time frame, 8, eight out of 10? I think so. I'm going to go with probably a 4.5 out of 10. Interesting. Um, okay. I think... You're right. They're going to continue to prod, but I think they're going to take their sweet-ass time prodding to see what sticks and what doesn't. So mm. I think maybe in the next 10 to 15 years, mm. there's something. There'll be an effort. But I think in the next year, next year or two, there's just going to be more prodding, and it's going to maybe even be like a uh, Ukraine situation. I hope so. Well, with, especially with Taiwan because of their closeness. So it depends if the U.S. will do any different actions. Well, then here, the number well, will actually, go up. Actually, no. That is the difference right there. This is why I feel like no, that it is going to be some sort of war because that is actually more the difference right there. Mm. So China, even though Taiwan is not a part of China, right? They're still saying that. Oh no, you are a part of us. Just At like least, Russia is with Ukraine. No, there's a difference though. Russia recognizes that Ukraine is its own country. They're just saying, "Hey, why should you come back to the motherland?" Well, kind of deal. You know? Yeah, they have a population of Russia supportists in that country that basically aided them mm-hmm. in take, you know, just disrupting the country. Yes. So no, exactly. It's more of kind of that we talk about. It's not spec the exact ops. same scenario, but it'd be yeah. the sort of same movement. But that's but that's what show it, which is more of that ideological ideological difference where you did it China, boy right china is not caring at all about like i mean neither is russia per se but the difference is like china is like it's almost like they have like dementia they're literally saying oh no what are you talking about you never left you know what i mean yeah. so it's almost like kind of like begging it's like come on then yeah like, do well, something you know what yeah I mean? it's important to notice well, like, there was a legal agreement I, I, f- I swear it was solidified in the 90s when you were mentioning sort of the history mm-hmm. where it was giving them legal independence for a certain time frame i believe it was like 50 years or like 30 years or something like that so they're they're kind of pretending that didn't happen anymore they're, exactly. they're sort of eroding slowly the uh the legal chains of that per se well russia basically what happened with that with you know the ukraine is you know i mean after john i keep promising i'm not gonna go back into history so i'm not going to just stop but making promises you can't for, keep doing for, for a few years now russia has been assisting that a lot of those eastern old satellite states mm-hmm. come back and join them as basically like little states kind of like we have in the u.s here so little soviet union Right, but yeah, so, so they're wanting to get that. But they sort still of, recognize yeah. them as their own country, and their own people. Mm-hmm. It's just now, since they're not playing game, it's like, well, now we're gonna do it sneakily. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's well, see, that's, that's the interesting. Key difference right yeah, there, you know, 
I would counter, uh, in terms of the situation in Crimea and Ukraine, there's still a civil war going on. There is. So I wouldn't necessarily, they're giving them support to be their independent country. They're giving the people in that country support who they think basically would be separatists. Yes. Right? So... It is, which, which does make it different than Taiwan, which makes a different situation, but it's important to note that Russia's strategy is to just kind of give, which is what the U.S. does a lot with these countries, and we don't want to talk they about do. it, um, yeah. is they give them the support, the tools, you know, they did their unmarked uniform soldiers and stuff, which are like, oh, we don't know what to talk about, we don't see anything, um, which kind of helped start this combat and invasion, mm-hmm. and now there's civil war between, like, well, the Ukrainians and the Russian-supporting separatists, mm-hmm. and, like, they want to join Russia, so they will do what they can to kill people who don't want to join what Russia's already tried to starting yeah. and obviously the other people are fighting for survival of Ukraine so um, that is a civil war right there I yeah I don't think Taiwan really has any China supporters because they, they, they like they their system not. other than a couple of government members actually and that's what makes the situation so much more volatile because yeah. like you know extreme difference it would be more in- black and white which well, is not say it's easy. It just would be more, be more black and white because it'd be just one country versus another country yeah. pushing a country out completely. Yeah. Well, more the fact that like it's, I don't want to say it's well known, but I mean I feel like a lot of people recognize like Taiwan. You know, obviously doesn't like China. You know, what I mean they they specify this. Yeah. And that's really the difference. Why I mean is in terms of the fact that like you know, Taiwan has been more than adamant. You know, as well as the U.S. and other countries basically telling China, they're not part of you guys. Yeah. Leave them alone, you know? And yeah. they're still saying they're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. This was our on the whole time, you know? Okay. So that's, that's what I mean. Like, at least Russia is like, try to, at least they kind of start out somewhat diplomatically, yeah. give or take, and then turn it to, well, they're not playing ball, we're going to do the spec op style. Yeah. But the thing is, they still don't have control. While China, that's like, I can just so picture them. They're just like going through one day with their fleet. They decide to dock. Like, oh, well, we're here to get our fuel. Like, so, you mm-hmm. know. World War Three. They just keep walking. <laughs> in. Okay, so so you think within what time frame? Do you think within twenty twenty one? You know, ooh, within twenty twenty one. I think uh, no, it's I, sort of I, a limiting I, question. So that's why I went with pretty low for twenty twenty one. Within the next fifteen years, they will probably have a more uh, stringent strategy. I say less than that. I could probably give it like probably like five six years. Something's going to happen. Okay, interesting. Okay, okay. maybe even less. Yeah, I'd say five years. Honestly, I'll say about five years. Something's going to happen between those kind, of, or not even between them. China, Pakistan, like, that's what I mean about China. That's why I don't, like, with China, mm. that's what I was talking about with the Asian, you know, like, you know. Wait, China and India? Uh, China and India. Yeah. Um, you know, th- there's obviously tension. I mean, the fact that, uh, nice. <laughs> okay. It's well, okay. We're okay. We're, it's, don't appreciate that, it, It's sir. a 2020 recap. It's just like 2020. Just Can't wait for them the to things. be banned. Oh, uh, Lord. Anyway. But, um, yeah, so just like, <laughs> Jesus just like um, I said, you know, with China and India, I mean, you know, they're just, they're prodding literally everybody. Like, at least Russia is just trying to get back what they feel like they already I have had. A, I have, a, I I have an analogy. China is like the COVID spike protein, and its little spikies are poking everybody. Okay. Well, we're going to get into that in a second. Too. Yeah. But that's what I mean. There's a sort of ruthlessness that I just mm. don't trust. Like, at least Russia is trying to basically do the whole, like, old day glory strategy where it's like we were greater together you don't have to necessarily join us but if we all team up yeah. you know because there's other parts of eastern europe that belong to technically russia as well and they used just, to know, yeah so and they're not going after them just specifically 
But we'll see states we'll see. that have, you know, basically coastal access. Yeah. So, you know, it, exactly. These might change, but it shows. That's why mm. I don't trust China because there's a lot more ruthlessness going mm. on there. It's like, it's almost, as I said, it's kind of like poking the bear. Mm. That's just kind of what they're really doing of everybody. Just not a Russian bear. Right? Taiwanese so, bear. <laughs> leading into our amazing next set. Well, actually, take about which one you want to talk about. You, you want to take a break from, you know, what's coming up, or you want to talk about the protests? What, what do we feel like here? Uh, Do we take a break from China or just keep rolling down China? Let's take a break. Let's go with... Uh, okay, protests. We're talking about the protests. Big-lipped mothers. <laughs> no, so BLM, Black Lives Matter, the racial uproar movement that has happened during 2020. Yep. Um, well, better than that. Basically uh, challenging the fact that like in the U.S. there is systematic racism. And, uh, yeah, it's not gone away, per se. I think for people, you know, the the population 2020 was uh, the moment we realized that once we started getting footage of these day-to-day interactions where a lot of times they did not... Well, I don't know the numbers exactly, but there was a noticeable amount, like a non-trivial amount of interactions that ended up uh, seemingly just backwards. You know, just someone dead, someone injured, someone being mistreated, in our opinions. um, And they intended to be people of color. Specifically, I mean black people, um, and I think it's finally the year that sort of the general population, you know, white people, Asian people and such, which, once again, white people are kind of in their own category because everything's hunky-dory for us. <laughs> um, you know, we realize that these things happen all the time, and it's not just, you know, people in the ghetto or people in certain situations. It's uh, it's kind of common even for just regular Joes who are living life, just so happen to be black. Um I don't know. What do you think? I think it was it was a wake up call. Uh, I, I'm not super hopeful it's going to lead to anything. It's on. Well, it's one of those things where you know the so with the U.S. how we were taught right growing up is that we're all supposed to be supposedly equal. We all have a bill of rights. We all basically mm-hmm. are supposed to respect each other. But then love you know, thy neighbor, right? But then you start like kind of. I guess we we're making a joke about China's dirty history among other things, but the U.S. dirtiest history. We're you know, continuing to make like, that dirt. Yep. So, right. So, the thing is, right, with the U.S., there's we got a few issues going on with not only the belief in basically like God and equal rights, but the fact that almost like these institutions that are supposed, to, I guess, promote equality are actually the ones that are promoting versions of like slavery or you know inequality or racism or would you would you would it be too extreme to say a policing slave force well that's (laughs) the thing and it shows us because initially you know police basically police were like slave catchers initially so that's it shows you just the way the sit this the initial system was set up it was already rooted in slavery and that's the the original doctrine structure Mm -hmm. of like how things work and the way they're supposed to view stuff like you see, it's just this, slowly changed over time. It's not a brand new, fresh exactly. look at how to do policing. And I mean, and this happens in other countries. That like Germany, UK, France had a large France, uproar. Like yeah, so it shows that like I mean, you know, it's not just the U.S., but it shows that in the U.S., it's like we just don't want to acknowledge it. It's these that's countries really the with a history of slavery. Yeah, yeah, and that's what. So really, how these protests started, you know, the most recent ones for 2020, the uproar was George Floyd. Yeah. But these killings have been happening for a while. Yeah. It's just the thing is, with body cameras are relatively new. That's yeah, really the other problem. Cell phone problem. footage. Yeah. Cell phone footage is of interest because body cam footage is interesting. Sometimes it takes a long time to get that footage. Interesting, huh? Is you know, it's 
you know, I guess speaking from experience, it there's a lot of process it takes. Like, I think it's, also it's, they're it's, probably trying to figure out a damage control strategy oh, before they release oh, it. They're like, what do we, what can we do? What are our legal options? How do we make this look as bad as it is? Because sometimes yeah, man, they probably about do this. Yeah. We, we talked about this with like human resources, what that really is for companies. It's basically liability protection. Yep. So, but... Um, Take yeah. a week off, Jared. Right. So, um, so then the problem was basically it just seemed like... I, I mean, granted, with like media and all other things, it does seem like things are more fueled than they really are. Because hmm. <clears throat> then after that, Breonna Taylor got killed, I believe. Um, yeah. You know, so I, it was I, just incident and, after incident. And funny that the whole um, sort of uh, movement they had was to remember their names. Uh, I don't actually remember all their names. To be fair, I don't remember much. So apologies. <laughs> um, well, I think honestly, but yeah, there's just these key these key incidents that happened throughout the year. Well, I think as our segment shows, I mean, for this day, for our good old Monday moan, like there was a lot that happened in 2020. So, I mean, regardless of, you know, I mean, granted, you know, I mean, racism, should, this is one of those topics that have been addressed like a long time ago. You remember before ago. that BLM was uh, protesting for uh, Michael Brown? Yes. A couple of years before that. And then it's like, it's interesting how it was quiet all of a sudden. I'm sure it was still happening. But it's weird how these particular incidents has caught so much traction. I think it was the way um, George Floyd died. It was just yes. so, it was just so. It's just it was, it was it was just mind blowing. It was just like I don't see any. There's there's no argument. There's no argument um, for that. And we've talked previously, especially with the protests and you know the was it not the Mc, McDonoughs or Mc, whatever they were. You know with their with their guns. Oh, and, uh, and, uh, and then Rickenbacker. Right, R- and R- R- those sorry, are sort R- of Rittenhouse. My because apologies. because of all this. Um, just as you know, this built-up tension, COVID giving to people being stuck at home, wanting a release, and just being fed up with so much government inefficiencies and wrongdoings. Um, obviously, it flared up, and we showed that we tried to that you, you got to take a look. You know, the bigger picture, we got to take a look at individual information and not let it get out of hand. Yeah, right. And uh, there's individual circumstances where it's kind of like, well, there's a combination of probably racism. Um, there's also a combination of that person was from police training. In a you know causing a situation where the police officer had to make that action, uh, Rittenhouse was more of a technicality. Um, I think it was his own bit bad decision, but in terms of we've already talked about this, he he had some justification. I don't think it was right. Um, and with the McClowskys, technically they had justification um, for those situations. It did make sense, and they were kind of blown out of proportion. So uh, we just got this case of like polarization again, you know, where it's just extreme, and it's like you got extreme uh, BLM. And these people are probably just absolutely sick and tired of seeing this, so they won't take anything. And you got the other side, which is just a case of these people are thugs. I mean, Trump said it multiple times, and you, you remember you yeah. visited cities, and people say, oh, the, the U.S. is on fire, and it's not true. Yeah. Um, you have individual circumstances, and everything is just information as it is, and you have to take it in, use common sense, look at the information, and make mm. a judgment, right? You can't just take the information you see as it is and just get riled up about it. you got to look at the bigger picture. Yep. And... Um, bigger picture i don't see i guess my, my my thought is i'm seeing things that are like you know the problems in the police force you have experience with that um people are very riled up about the whole you know defund the police and i think that in itself has been blown out of proportion where yeah, it's it, how do we come up with better solutions for dealing with situations that don't require a gun it shows you like just the yeah. wording of certain things is yeah. i guess it's making people think more like specifically right like for example when people say defund the police i think a lot of people assume that they mean close down every department 
But reality really is more reform. The original idea is like, yeah, maybe the funding that's going to the police, some of this, which as we know, has lots of government wastage all all over the board, not just the police. Mm -hmm. Maybe some of this can go to a different... You know, a different department, different direction, mm-hmm. a new idea. Yeah, exactly. And you notice there's not many new ideas going on in all of these separate individual police forces that don't really communicate with each other, right? There's no mm. centralized system. Well, they all still have generally the same policies. Yeah, so, well, so, but that's actually, well, that's a different point for another day, though, on a side note. But, um, so what I mean about with, like, defining go to reforming, which really they mean reforming, is more of the fact that. When you use words like defund, it's mm-hmm. like a trigger word, right? You yeah, know? exactly. The it's been associated is, with, like, fuck the cops. So we don't need them. You got people, let's say, in the BML group that's like, okay, BLM, or a, BLM. Huh? BLM. BML. BLM. Yeah, well, those days. Sorry. How do you? I did say it. BLM. But, um, and then Antifa, right? You know, yeah. groups like that, you know, that they even themselves don't they recognize that they don't mean like close down every department they just want people basically cops to think it's like well mm. if you lose 20 percent of your paycheck you know maybe you might think about some of your actions like or you know basically you won't be able to get like the newest stuff yeah you know, you know basically that's the thing it's not less like, bear cats for all i know right it doesn't mean you're gonna lose like all your jobs all of a sudden you know it just literally does want you to think i guess with you know basically well, remember think we were talking actions. about that city the other so, episode about when the when the pay wasn't enough they just left yeah that's, that's i guess the weird difference issue being that's going on right if now, you can't but, leave to another high paying area because mm-hmm. it's also defunded i'm curious how that would well, work that's something another day but so here's yeah. the flip side to it so you let's say you go basically the alt-right side hmm. like you know republican-ish side like proud boy stuff like that hmm. that's like kind of their like basically fuel for their fire whether it's like look blm antifa is assisting that assisting insisting that basically we have anarchy states where we just get rid of all law enforcement and then it's gonna go to hell so you see the problem it goes back and forth yeah that's really the issue that's going on right here which it's it's done because you know the issue is something really honestly simple but it shows that like people are just i don't want to say Bear with me, audience, but I don't want to say that there's people that just have just general president prejudice, prejudice. prejudices. Thank you, but um, like that's the thing because I remember when they first talk about BLM, right? You know, what was the first thing that people said afterwards? Like, what was like kind of a weird initial response? The thugs. Well, no, no. Well, all lives matter. It's like okay, well, no mm. shit. All lives matter. I would you say know? that's that's kind of a <laughs> comfort zone response. Yeah, exactly. It's like well, yeah, no duh. All lives matter, but the problem is, it all seems lives to are be... not being treated equally. It's... Yeah, exactly. This instant response you know. is like yes, but that's not what's happening, <laughs> right? It's like the problem is, like you know, you have a specific group, African Americans, blacks, who have been mm. like targeted, literally for like the millennia. Not just this country, mm. but other countries, and it's consistent. Now, granted, other ethnic groups, you know, like Hispanic stuff like that, same thing. But it shows you there is definitely a whole different level of disrespect and disregard, mm-hmm. and that's the problem. People are and they say it's like, yeah, all lives matter, right? But the thing is, whenever you say like, let's you know, said the initial issue is the fact that this is a specific group that's basically being tormented, targeted, you mm. know, what I mean, profile stuff like that. You know, that's the issue would like to get resolved, but the minute you say, well, all lives matter, it detracts from the importance of yeah. that movement. That's you're not seeing what the actual problem that is happening. Exactly. You're seeing what we want the outcome to be, which makes sense. It's like, yes. all lives matter. That's what we want. 
and as people of not basically of not color is blank white yes <laughs> uh we get all lives matter we get that most pretty much every day almost everywhere i'm sure there's mm-hmm. individual circumstances but almost everywhere we don't have that issue i would like to bring up a, a couple points is there's kind of probably a chicken and egg problem now with i'm guessing mainly with like traffic stops and pulling over is well if you're fearful of black people because you're prejudiced you know, you're more likely to shoot them. You have the situation. So if you're a black person and you're aware of this happening, you're maybe more likely to take a gun. You're more likely to think about my life's not being protected by this officer. So I'm more mm-hmm. likely to carry and I'm more likely to shoot because maybe I feel like I'm going to get murdered. Right. And then it just goes back and forth, back and forth. Tensions hype up, which is just to say that, like, you know, there's things that are happening, which is unfortunate because of the situation and the stresses that are making things kind of worse. And, you know, it kind of makes it confusing to where how do you cool things off? Um mm-hmm. And then the second point being, I think about, like, our police encounters. Mm-hmm. Have you ever felt fearful? Uh, no. I mean, like, your life yeah, is that's... in danger? Nope. And this is only anecdotally, so this is not saying for everyone, but it's just kind of, mm-hmm. okay, so from where we're seeing as regular citizens, I've been pulled over once, and I've been with people that have been pulled over in the car maybe two or three times. I did not feel any fear. Um, I technically was doing something illegal, mm-hmm. right? I got I got no reprimand for it. I was respectful, and I felt like I could, you know, be clear and concise, and my life wasn't in danger, and I got let off. Mm. And I'm, I'm not saying that's racism or not, but I'm saying that as a, you know, from people of of our of our lifestyle and our upbringing culture, it was, uh, you know, there was no fear. There was just there was no ants, and it was like the worst that would happen would be a ticket. Well, I guess the, the problem is more. I guess not trying to retract to like you know the importance of like basically solving the initial problem. It's like, mm. you know. It seems like there's a basically they're targeting like black people, but I mean it's more like so with um, George Floyd, right? Yeah. You know, you gotta also think about. It, I'm trying to sound like necessarily like the God. Is it, it's gonna sound like about sound like a snowflake. I hate the terminology people use that. Would but, it would devil's you know, advocate be better? Or yes. Snowf- okay. You no, know, I think. Well, I think honestly, I probably labeled a snowflake after this. But okay, the thing is, like, you are initial- pretty pasty. Well, the initial call, right? Because I, I believe George Floyd is still a felon. I think before he was still a felon. Yeah, he was trying to so, pass that counterfeit bill. No, no, but, but before yeah. that, he was already a felon. And I get that, but the call exactly was for a fraudulent check. I think it was, it was like a, 20 bucks. It was or a something. $20 bill that was fake. Okay, sorry, right. Bill. So the thing is, like, you know, four officers respond to a fraudulent bill charge. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I get you as a felon, you know, I understand, you know, there's precautions they have to take, but it's still like, you know, the whole way of restraining him, you know, I said knee on the neck, like kind of obvious things you think, like even without police training, right? Mm. You think to myself, you know, like anybody, they like, kind of know it's like, well, you put any pressure on the neck, yeah, you're going to have a problem, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like as well as things you think, it's like, you should already know, it's like, you know, it's like saying that if you wrap your hands around somebody's neck or, you know, arm, mm-hmm. You're obviously attending on like doing some sort of suffocation because yeah. why else would you target that area? Yeah. So it's kind of like just more like the principle of it. It's just like you respond to not only with one officer, but with four officers to a fake bill charge. Yeah. And then somebody died out of it. The man is know? clearly subdued. Yep. He's not fighting. He's kind of crying for his life. Yeah. This no, exactly. Um, officer like standing around not feeling fear, you know, I guess. Doesn't he's already like handcuffed, too. Yeah. So it wasn't going anywhere. And so there's four like, cops. Underneath you know? a so, car, pretty much. Yeah. And there's four other officers. Yeah. Like, he's not going anywhere. Exactly. So Now, that's and, something we see a lot 
in policing in general is you just see whenever there's anything more than a traffic stop that goes fine and there's an arrest it just it gets all whoop 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 all right four cars and that's yeah. i mean but so i mean is it like also the instances itself are just getting weirder because like you know brian taylor right she was basically sleeping when all this happened like, is that the one where they of, um invaded the wrong home it was so that we're like that. And, I have to double check uh, exactly shot her and then, yeah then there was a lot of inconsistencies with the investigation around that and Oh god, yeah, it was. And then in day. the North Bay area, there was Anthony Lopez. That was a few years back. Young teenage boy. Yeah, exactly. But that's kind of a different incident, though. It yeah. is because it's back, but it just still shows. It's one of those weird kind of like. Well, here's our because I saw this uh, from the other day, but it just shows it's it's that I don't want to say it's a color issue, but it's kind of like this kid's obviously a kid because he was only what like fourteen or whatever. Yeah, thirteen, fourteen, maybe, maybe, maybe twelve. So well, that's something around that, and you know the fact that the officer assumed that he'd actually have a fully functional real AK forty seven. Yes, um, <laughs> which you like, know it wasn't. It did look of in the colors of a gun. I, once again, I'm I'm not a cop, so I'm not going to say in that split second decision when it's like yeah. oh real real time now. You know, oh, we're exactly. going to make a decision. Well, um, you know, you put yourself in the shoes exactly. Well, put yourself in your shoes and give them the benefit of the doubt per se. Yeah, but as well as those things, it's kind of like. I guess in the heat of the moment, you like I, you want to because it comes back to the whole philosophy of what they teach officers basically yes. that you know you you're going to go home at the end of the night. You know what I mean? Your priority is to get home or mm. come home. You know what I mean? So I get they want to take every safety precaution possible, but like you know, I was saying because I was you know I heard by understanding he just he was refusing basically like he was refusing not to like. Apply I believe he was pointing the gun away. at the officer. Well, he, like I guess a, he swing around yeah. supposedly, and that's okay. why it just popped him. But like. Um, yeah. It, the thing it's is, a rough though, situation that maybe we just don't have the right decision making or we haven't well, had the right conversation about that. Well, it shows, like, because the thing is, honestly, I was saying myself, like, you know, we talked about this with, like, the car, you know what I mean? Like, you know, if you see, like, you know, a kid is actively refusing your orders, and, like I said, you know, I think most people, even it, it, because you have to be close enough to still identify that it's like an AK-47. You know what I mean? You got to be decently close to yeah. say, okay, that's some sort of assault rifle, right? I don't want to say that term because I that's not actually a real term. It's a buzzword. Sorry. It's a buzzword. Sorry. So, you know, semi-automatic rifle. Um, you have to be close enough, right? So here's what I was thinking. It's kind of like, you know, if he's refusing your orders, why not bump him with the car? Yeah. Like you could bump him with the car probably... Hop hour fast, haven't done my gunpoint, at least get close enough where it's like, you know, hey, you move, man, I'll fucking kill you. It's, like, you know, um, like yeah. at least you could probably actually get him in handcuffs, get the gun away, hmm. you know, and then, then find out it was a BB gun or something, you know? Like, at least you could probably, you know, instead of immediately hopping out and just boom, you know? Yeah. There's probably a better approach to that. Yeah, so. and that's not to say that that's specifically the correct approach, but mm -hmm. it's it's a different approach that needs to be discussed. Is like you know other options other than popping a shot to get the incident over and done with. Is like well maybe something that you know it's, it's still going to be an incident, but maybe is not guaranteed death or you know is incapacitation. Uh, I was thinking personally once again is I'm not sure exactly the route, but you need to have people discuss in terms of. Well, is there a is there a calmer way, or is there a more confident person that could have sort of looked at the situation a little bit, maybe taken a second, um, and figured, yeah. well, okay, is there a way I can talk this down? Or is there something going on here? I have a kid at home. Do I really want to go this route? You know, and maybe there is more risk involved in that, which is well, which is the question is obviously the risk of the cop, uh, which some people ask. Remember, we were watching that video about that LAPD, was it? Mm -hmm. Police commissioner, and someone said, well, if you're afraid of this. 
maybe you shouldn't be a cop. And it's like, well, that's a that's a blanket statement. Yeah. Um, but it's worth talking about. It's worth having a discussion, and maybe it's wrong. But there doesn't seem to be an open conversation about, like, well, let's hear from the cops. Let's hear about, you know, is, is there a problem with the individuals who are choosing to be police officers? Is there a problem with the indoctrination and sort of culture of that, which I think there's a combination of both? That's you know, the problem. There, right? Is there also a problem with in terms of people's reactions and behaviors around police officers and people of authority? Well, that's right? honestly, it's a, I think it's a combination right. of factors. That's really the issue. It's, so I guess getting back to the kind of the, the main, I guess, point topic. of this uh, topic is that it's it's the bunch of cultural factors. So just a real quick summary. So you look at the US history, right? I mean basically any other race that wasn't white was disenfranchised in some way. You know what yeah. I mean? That's why we have terms like ghettos and stuff like mm. that because there are ways basically to I force... actually have a quote unquote fun. It is actually an interesting fun. Oh no. Twenty twenty man. Twenty twenty. Uh, I have a um it's sort of an interesting fact in regards to uh, to slavery and other stuff. That is, it was of note in regards to black people. But I don't know if you're talk about the narrow later, but continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that'll probably that'll top of a little It's too, only like a one minute fact, but that's it. So um, either way, so you know, I said after slavery, everything was said and done. I mean, you still have a whole race of people that weren't given, I said, any money for their work. You know, purposely used for labor. You know. And then you expect all of a sudden, you know, after the Civil War happens, stuff like that, that we're all supposed to be equal, hmm. you know, but you have a whole class of people, a whole race of people that basically were used as free labor. Yep. So in terms of like any competing market, you know, like let's say us, you know, like who's going to have a better start, you know, basically, you know, kid that has two parents, both with full-time jobs goes off to college or the kid that let's say has a single mother has has to get a part-time job just to pay rent like is getting evicted every six months exactly you know there's a whole different and that's the problem basically a lot of these ghettos were you know kind of man-made by the u.s you Mm -hmm. know red lighting policy stuff like that you know as well as save the schools act where that purposely targeted schools that weren't passing certain requirements and the problem is it's like, well, if you don't give certain districts, you know, the right cash or money they need or access the, to know, infrastructure. Exactly. Yeah. Of course, they're going to have worse test scores, you know? Yeah. So, of course, then they're going to get shut down. And then everyone got, has the same amount of time during the day. Everyone has the same 24 hours. Yep. So then you have these pockets, essentially, of ghettos with particular races, which is mm-hmm. basically blacks, Hispanics, you know, stuff like that. Immigrants, and then which yeah. areas get patrolled more? Those ones. Exactly. Yep. And that's the problem. Those are the ones that's more likely to have incidents, more likely to have tickets, more likely to have exactly. arrests. Uh, that requires attention because things are happening there. Exactly. That's the problem. Basically, the U.S. made its own problem, yep. and now it's trying to smother it in and the, the worst way possible. And the police are being forced to deal with it because who else are they going to send out there because you don't have any mm-hmm. other option. Yep. So that's how, once again, I would say uh, refund the police is an interesting idea but refund them correctly and um you know maybe set some money aside for some other options i think it's also worth as we never try anything which is the open idea of maybe this work maybe this won't mm. being honest about what are the lessons learned i mean we have once again i was mentioning before so many individual police forces mm. right they have their own policies their own funding and such and such mm. they could try other policies just things of note like oh hey i mean social workers is an interesting idea of course social workers aren't going to respond to a violent crime well we're but, getting there know. so there, there's a big concept of what's called community policing yeah instead of enforcement policing yeah so you know community policing's idea is that 
you know, there are actual community meetings where basically people sit down with police yeah. and talk. Like the whole, you know, let's see, was it, um, was it Get Coffee with a Cop? Some, yeah. Whatever that program's called. Um, there's a oh, few yeah, the of them, whole, like, like the, drag racing and stuff with cop yeah, cars and stuff like there's that. There's a yeah. few of them. So it's not that it's not ever being made or done. And then there's even some places like Detroit um, that are experimenting with social workers. So instead yeah. of sending a cop to a, a domestic, like, dispute, mm. instead of a social worker instead. Yeah, exactly. So stuff like that. They're already um, practicing that. It's just a matter of being able to, I guess, change the idea of, I guess, law enforcement itself, mm. exactly what that is. That's the problem because the problem is with, and I'm not trying to bash police all day long because I feel like we do need police. You know, there's a reason there's police, but we put too much on them. Yeah. That's really the problem. Like, it'd be one thing, for example, like a lot of states, right? They have like state troopers, sheriffs, you know, PD. There's a reason there's a split where it's not just police. You know what I mean? Yep. It's because like one's going to handle more traffic related stuff, mm -hmm. you know, tickets, access, stuff like that. One's going to handle more domestic stuff in theory. You know what I mean? Knocking on doors. So, yeah. But then we have like big cities, like let's say like, you know, LAPD, where it's like they're responsible for like traffic, you know, robberies, like every little yeah. thing. That's tolling. That's, That's tolling a big city. Quick. Yeah. You know, it's not like every other apartment is not, you know, it's like, I mean, let's say, for example, CHP like does freeways, right? You know, there's a ton of freeways that run through LA. So it's not, I guess there's not an expectation for, let's say, if there's a bank robbery for CHP not to respond, right? Mm. If they're in the area. But there is still more of an expectation where it's like, you kind of stick to your area. Well, you know, yeah, you know, you're used you to need... like high speed driving, traffic stops, learning body language, things like that, where that's more, you, you get used to it and you get very good at it and comfortable mm -hmm. and things become natural. And then if you ask them to go like raid an apartment complex, you're like, mm, I, I, I'm not yep, experiencing this. There's going to be a mess up somewhere. Yeah. Which actually that happened uh, in an area in North Bay too, where they were raiding a uh, Hell's Angels bar and they mm -hmm. had the FBI, Santa Rosa PD and CHP. And I guess somebody fucked up because they let basically almost all of them go. <laughs> So I don't know what happened. But yeah, these guys are white so, little booga boys. Um, so somebody messed up, but uh, you know, it's a nice it just, way summing it up. These, it, are, these are the issues just, we're dealing with. It, yeah. So it with BLM, you know, it shows really the problem is it's just the U.S. in terms of how it was started, and you know, unfortunately, racism is rooted in the country. So it's a matter of basically taking that weed out of the ground but make sure you actually pull the roots out yeah and plant a flower how we you know? how we view problems within ourselves i think a lot of it is how we view problems with public servants and the structures they serve in mm -hmm. um and how we approach solving the problem yes exactly uh so, that does sum it up um we did it no, we did that, a pretty that, good that, chat about that. that that does not sum it up we have yeah. our last real segment people the one that everybody knows about and it, it really will be short because we already know about it. Exactly. You know, good old COVID-19. Uh, we talked about we're taking a break from China for a reason. So as we all know, yeah. came from China, mm -hmm. Wuhan, China. And in terms of transmission, I believe bacterial from a bat. So at least that's the current understanding of it. Um, but yeah, just a di disease. Sorry, just we a watching what, uh, that changed the yeah. whole world quite literally. We actually learned new information from watching a serious documentary on Netflix that apparently they had sex with a bat. <laughs> I kid, it wasn't real. That was um, a documentary, yes. But um, yeah, it shows what is it? Well, I think the main takeaways from COVID is that our government is in disarray because um, of another government. Yep. <laughs> um, China has three times the population, roughly, and. 
It wasn't nice, but in terms of getting the situation done and then getting back to normal, for the most part, without you know minor flare-ups, they were very efficient at it. They were aggressive. Um, wasn't super pleasant, but they were aggressive. They got it down. They took aggressive measures quickly. And in terms of that aspect, it shows you that other big countries with lots of people, lots of organizations can get things done. They have a different structure of governing than we do, per se, obviously being sort of communist and... Also, they're really not happy with information getting out, but, you know, things can get done. Um, COVID has shown, and I think the U.S. has a lot of uh, ideological sort of statues, per se, in terms of these these pillars of our functioning government. Uh, as always, people always say institutions, which is like you trust that the people who are experts in their field in that particular institution know what they're doing and can implement, you know, action if needed on your behalf. Um, and it shows that not all of them can. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, I think I sum up a little bit like better with that in terms of like, so think of it like this: more that China had no idea what they were honestly dealing with, just try to cover up quickly. They knew it was something where it'd be, I guess, defining. You know, hmm. in terms of like it was gonna be some sort of serious pathogen, so because they already had deaths pretty quickly. So because they were dealing they with SARS, take responsibility, so they're like, you know, yeah. we, they're probably like, oh, we could just cover this up real quick. But the mm. problem is, and they realize how fast it spread. And yeah. then we got the U.S. that, you know, because of our crazy tier level of system where it's federal, state, local, they had no idea to really how to respond to it. And then our president did believe in it. So just there's a lot of reasons why it spread so quickly here. Mm. Like, you know, there was no travel, you know, basically restrictions put in place until months into it. Same thing with the UK as well. Only real area that really was serious was probably Western Europe, but even then, as it showed, it still spread there pretty quickly. Some other countries then, of note, um, New Zealand and Taiwan were very good. Yeah, no, South Korea, there's a few that, you yeah. know, but then, you know, it spiked again. So it shows that, like, you know, it was just one of those pathogens we, we didn't think it was going to be, like, basically like the Spanish flu all over again. Mm. Like we had no idea how, like how spread mm. it was going to become. And how destructive you know, and was, it is or not. Yeah, exactly. You know, because of, we just did contain it. And that was the issue. I think there there's no... many, there's many lessons to be learned from this. And it's the question of whether that we learned and implemented. Mm. Do you think we should just kind of, we'll go back and forth with a couple of thoughts of like things that were like, Whoa, Oh boy. For me, mainly, I think it was communication and expectation of mm. the individual citizen. Um, the communicating in terms of information, trust, um, you know, being clear with stuff and trusting that people will make the right decisions, uh, specifically that, which is other points that go with that. But that was surprising in terms of, is there a way we can learn to be more communicative, can be more trusting, can kind of build more hope in people to that their actions save lives versus just pleading all the time? Um, that was of note to me is like, you know, just COVID fatigue mm. and how that affected us. Thought, mm. I thought that you have. Well, I guess one of my takeaways from COVID, just we should have been more prepared, like in general, like even the Obama administration talked about, like there was eventually going to be some other new pathogen eventually, because this is how viruses and diseases work, you know, eventually there's going to be a mutation of some something, some sort mm -hmm. of bacterium or whatever. That's going to lead to an infection of some type, you know? Yeah. Something's going to happen, you know, that's. It's nuts because, like, we kind of know this from science that it's like, you know, in nature, things mutate quite a bit, you know? Yep. So it, COVID's already mutated, of, yeah. Exactly. It's kind of like, 
I guess it should have been something that should have been addressed by almost every nation because it's weird. We have all these protocols for other things like nuclear war. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like certain natural disasters, right? (laughs) Malicious. Like, you know, I mean, I I guess we claim to because we're supposed to have like wildfire plans, but they don't seem to work. FEMA never seems to have enough money. (laughs) <laughs> yep. So, but you know, it's it kind of we were warned that it was going to be probably something. Obama of this had a, a playbook ago. dictating what we should do and these are the steps. Yeah, and was not taken seriously. And the even when we knew out. how yep. far it was spreading, because other countries were reporting pretty quick death rates, the U.S. was still almost like in denial of it. You know? Yeah. It's like, oh no, we're going to be okay. You know? It's like, oh, well, we have a few cases here. Like, it's all right. We're fine. Like, it's not going to spread that. And next, thing you know. It was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of made it worse because we didn't initiate really any real, like, PPE requirements, stuff like that. Like, you know, and then, of course, not trying to get too much detail at the U.S., but we also have a really weird, I guess this is probably also a world problem, too, in some areas. But, like, the anti-vaxxer movement where a lot mm. of people, there's a lot of conspiracy theories about, like, not just like from the vaccine aspect, but just the initial stages where people were like saying that, oh, this is a man-made virus from China that was instituted by Bill Gates to somehow yep. get everybody chipped. Like I've had, really, to, I've had to talk some people down from that. Like really out there theories. I mean, I mean, I remember like one person was trying to claim that it was so COVID nineteen meant that there was and we should talk about this another segment, but that that it meant that there was nineteen strains of COVID mm. out there. Well, to be honest with you, my was point fun. was ninety seconds long. It's been four minutes. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> but you know, I mean, we'll try so to. So it was our lack of preparedness. Lack, well, lack of preparedness. I mean, there's a few. I guess real the main points. Yeah, we'll run it down real quick. Mm. Lack of preparedness, really. That was really what killed it. Then after that, lack of action. So, mm-hmm. and then denial. Denial. Those are the three that really summed it up. So, yeah, okay. I would, uh, at a point, so those are good points. Um, I'd like to bring another one. Um, I think, which I was mentioning before, is institutions' ability to implement their own policies. Uh, perfect example, the CDC. Mm-hmm. I think it's proven that the CDC is incapable of its mission. Um, the amount of times they've gone back and forth, the amount of times they've let politics invade their policies and guidelines for people, mm-hmm. um, the amount of times they've ignored the most recent science that has been you know, relatively common sense believable and trustable, uh, has shown that when it comes to these things, the CDC is not where it should be either culturally inside, they're just, they're not, they're not functioning correctly and have the right people in charge. Um, the WHO, that's worldwide, it's shown that they're, once again, they're probably too big for their own good sort of thing. They were too slow to react to new information and sciences. People are working hard all the time to do all these tests, especially, you know, learn about mask usage and its benefits and such. Um, their implementation of that and trying to coordinate has, has, has been low. Um, so organizations have failed. Just like with many parts, this 2020 has been a year of institutions and organizations and these collective pe- groups of people we trust to make decisions in regards to certain things or expertise in uh, have not stepped up to the plate appropriately. Yep. And then, the, so uh, that's hard because that we got to talk about the WHO on a segment. Cause yeah. There's actually a lot with that. I just think of, like things that we can kind of be like that failed, that failed, that didn't work. How did this, you know, this things for, for, for COVID, I think is sort of a, 
a quick well, round I wanted to get through. It's weird the requirements are set up for some of these things, like NATO, WHO. Like there are weird contracts that get set up for each country to like basically kind of donate to. Yeah. There's also ways for them to wiggle out of it. Oh, there's yeah. also like, for example, like the WHO is you know one of their main sources of funding is the U.S. Yep. Like there's a basically a contractual Trump, pledge. Trump threatened to withhold well, funding. Yep. While other countries, by my understanding, don't have to necessarily abide by that pledge. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a lot of weird things with some of these, uh, we'll say like world organizations, you know, yeah, so it, that they don't like, you know, so it, it's it's like, you know, NATO. I don't think Germany expected to kind of be spearheading NATO. They probably yeah. had no idea they were ever going to be in that position. Angela Merkel you know? had some sweat in her eyebrow, 2020. She was just like, <laughs> woof, people are watching. Um, but an example of a leader really trying to make an uh, like a, a role model of like trying to deal with this, you know, with your population with other countries and trying to get a consensus going in terms of how to deal with it. Um, yeah, you know, institutions did not work out. I think we, I think we were surprised at some some of the solidarity with people, and then also really just some of the once again stupidity pol- of people. Polarization has hit so hard in every every aspect of our country that. Stuff that you just sigh about, and I mean, really, you just want to like punch or you either the person or a wall or just <laughs> something because you just like, what are you thinking right now, or what are you saying, or why are you acting this way? Um, well, I mean, let's yeah. face it, I mean, the America, amount of man. like miscommunication out there was just insane. Yeah, I mean, Facebook misinformation, hearing bullshit from like neighbors and friends and stuff where you're just like, where are you getting? I mean, the fact that our presidential Cheeto told us to essentially drink bleach at one point, um, that Wait, was... Hey, uh, yeah, he's like, can we get the scientists on that? And the scientist said, we already tried that, man, a long time ago. <laughs> Don't drink bleach. So, and then you had to have bleach companies tell you to not buy their product to drink it. Yep. It's like the Tide Pods thing all over again. That's why, it, that's, it, that's, that's, that's why Kinder Surprise, or I forget if it's Kinder Eggs, you can't get in the U.S. anymore. It is... Perfect example. It is baffling, honestly. It, it It's... It's almost like where do you start? But that's really, I think that sums up exactly uh, what this 2020 year was. This mm-hmm. this year in review per se, it was a definition of like, whoa, like yep. what the fuck? You know what I mean? It's like, like it's like riding a roller coaster, and you get to the end, and you look back, and you're like, wow, a lot of things kind of fell apart in that ride. I'm glad I made it back. Yeah, but you wouldn't ride it again. It's like when Six Flags first came out. Yeah, if Two you guys flags. don't know what that is, it's major theme parks in the U.S. But it's like when they first came out, they were kind of sketchy. Thought people were gonna die, yeah. or like the first Disneyland where nothing really worked. Was it dangerous, necessary, but just nothing worked? Yeah. And well. I'm glad this ride of 2020 <laughs> is over, and we're getting a hopefully more milder ride into 2021, where there's some bumps along the way, but they're nowhere near as big. 2021. Hold my beer. Yep. Hold. <laughs> hold my whiskey. So, yeah, so on a more positive note, since we're almost at the two-hour mark, which kind of reminds me of the year 2000, I'd like to just end on that note and just wish I was back in the year 2000. So let's just end this. Take care, (laughs) audience. Have a great night. Thanks.